Hello, welcome to the Mostly Yoga Podcast. My name is Aaron. This is my humble platform. Ta-da! Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Hope everyone is doing well. Uh, if, if, if you haven't already, um, seen the trailer, you know that, uh, Melvina is back. We did a podcast before, episode 22. You can go and check that out. Now we're on episode 30, 32, which is 10 episodes later. So, you know, very appropriate. Um, we recorded, we, we recorded this episode at the little office area at Raffles, the Raffles studio, it's above the women's toilet. Maybe some people don't know that that place exists. Oops. Um, anyway, so, so, uh, uh, you know, the place isn't soundproof or anything. It's just like any other place that we, that I record my podcast. There's going to be birds chirping. There's going to be cars honking. It's near the road. The usual. Nothing you wouldn't have already gotten used to if you've heard this podcast before. In, if you, and if you're new to the podcast, thank you for listening. Welcome. Um, but before we get all, um, but before we get into all that, um, this episode is brought to you by BC Flow State. Rediscover the way you move, feel, and perform through the use of natural and authentic movements that can help you build strength, regain your mobility, and of course, reconnect yourself to your physical body. For content on mobility, movement, and other feats of strength, check out his Instagram at bc underscore underscore flow state just to check out all his movement stuff, his his training stuff, and to, to be aware of all the upcoming dates that he has for his mobility workshops and gymnastica natural uh, workshops as well, if you want to call it that, classes, call it classes. Uh, Bronson, I haven't seen you in a while. I hope you're doing well. Let's meet up soon. I always see Clarissa. Hello, Clarissa. Um, thanks for always buying me coffee and cookies. But I always see Clarissa in class. I haven't seen you in a while. So every time I meet her, she'll tell me about you and, you know, we'll always catch up soon. Uh, next up is something green, something spicy, something local. It's, of course, Red Dot Chili Peppers, uh, a Singapore-based chili-making person, which is my friend, Steph. Um, who makes this unique homemade cilantro chili? Whoa, what's that noise? Um, there's also a new flavor. Uh, oh, what do you call that? Is it the ketchup one? Ketchup? The Malay, you know, the black color thing? I don't know. Just go to the Instagram. If you are a fan of all things spicy and green and good and you want to spice up your life with some of this unique blend of chili. So order yourself a bottle or two or three. Just go to her IG or Facebook page at Red Dot Chili Peppers. All the links will be in the description below. You can all check it out. And another link that you will also be able to find in below is the link to my coffee page. So again, the podcast is free to listen to. You can listen to it whenever you want. It's it's hundred percent free. But if you would like to donate and show some support, you can go to coffee-coffee.com slash mostly yoga, ko-fi.com slash mostly yoga, and just buy me a cup of coffee. If you decide to donate, thanks, thank you very much. And if you don't, it's fine as well. 
happy to keep doing this, happy to just, you know, whatever, it's a hobby. So yeah, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Spotify or whatever else that you can follow me on. So all the links will be underneath. Eh, okay, okay, so back to my guest, which is Malvina. Malvina, of course, is the Laobanyang of Hom Yoga, where I teach at now. And again, we've done a podcast before, episode 22. You can go check that out. The link is also in the description below. Um, some, okay, so some back, a little backstory about how this episode came about was, um, you know, I, I see, I see her at the studio um, every week. We chit chat. They have their little meetings on, on Friday morning. So I'm always there playing chess with Edmund. If you've seen me there, the lunchtime crew. Um, so we catch up, we chit chat, and then, you know, she's always had, she always, she's growing, right? Melvina is, is slowly just growing and she's learning more things and we talk and then the things that we share casually, we just always thought, oh, well, you know, this could be on a podcast again. We should do another episode. And then, so I, I texted her one of the days, like, hey, do you want to, I'm free on Monday. You want to do it? And here we are. Um, the, also another, thing to take note of was that during this time I wasn't in a very good space um we'll, we'll just leave it at that I share a little bit about that in the in this episode so I I, I it, it, it was nice enough for Melvina to help me hold space for that as well and uh and I and and I guess like listening to her talk listening to to her share her story at the beginning of the podcast, I could already feel myself like my, my, I was like, tears were weld, welding in my eyes. Or I don't know why I'm so fucking emotional these few days. But she was just sharing about the birth of her son, Bay, and, and, you know, talking about holding hand, holding the baby's hand, this, this, holding the baby's hand, taking it across the bridge, lah, this kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'm so sensitive, fuck. But, um, I don't even know whether she noticed. Well, she, you, you, uh, I don't know what I'm rambling about. And I also ended up rambling a lot when I was sharing from my personal space in the middle of the podcast. So, uh, I just, I don't know. Ex- so just yell out that that's going to happen. Um, hmm. I don't know what to say anymore. Mm, I'm just gonna. That's it, lah. Let's let's just go into it. Without further ado, here is Melvina. Enjoy. Are you gonna have it one out, one in, or what? I'll see my mood. Maybe I'll have one in, one out. I don't know. When sometimes my when my glasses get pinched on my ears, and I'll put one in, one out. Okay. Okay. <sighs> is it too far? Then it's too far from you. I can lean in. I'll just be the a last, little louder then. The last time, the last time you were quite audible as well. Okay. Because you can project. I can't project. Ugh. Okay. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Melvina. Welcome back to this party, this humble platform of mine. Um, we are here today for a special reason. We're going to be recording the best episode <laughs> of this podcast ever. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best. 
the best podcast it's the best in episode the world. in the uh, yeah this is okay um the days leading up to this podcast when uh, we were texting and it was a very impromptu kind of thing where we were just chatting at the sofa oh how are you blah blah and we're just catching up and then, then we realized that we have a lot of things to catch up on we have a lot of things to talk about and then we we, we just casually said like, oh we should do another podcast because there's stuff that there has been new things that you've learned that you want to share and I was like ooh let's share it to the world right on this thing and then uh, today I'm off oh, I had nothing to do I was like hey do you want to do this and he said yes and then well, here we are and we are both in a different space and we are in a open space as well and we're sitting here in the Raffles studio office I, mean, I don't think many people know that there's a hidden <laughs> spot up here so we're here, we're doing our thing. Um, Blair has kindly blessed this place and cleansed this place for us. And there's a lot of good vibes around and we're, we're just here. We're present. I'm here with you, you're here with me. Let's hear the story about Bay. Wow. Bay. So I think the last time we spoke, I was pregnant with him. Probably in my second trimester. Yeah, and I was feeling a lot of a lot of just stuff that came up in the second and third trimester of pregnancy about his birth. I think there was this fear of do I have to die again? Like I don't want to die again because I I died with Navy and I rebirthed after and it was wonderful. But then I'm like, but the process of dying again really freaked me out. And luckily, I have such an amazing birth support team. I had, you know, Red, who's my midwife, Amber, who is um, Red's birth assistant, but also a close friend and a teacher here at the studio. Um, And obviously, Blair, who was with me all along the way. And I, I voiced this concern. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm I'm, af- I'm afraid of dying again. How how much more do I have to do this? I don't want to do it again. I'm scared, and that was like the honest thing that came up for me, and and you know what? When I got to the birth, I it was almost like all this all the thoughts all along the way prepared me for it. It was I had to be in that state of like looking at it witnessing it observing it and not running away from it because I have a tendency to just be like to compartmentalize emotions just like cut I'm here and I'm I'm great but not really honoring what's really happening so it was it was really good that I did that I did that honest introspection and so when I got to it I was aware of the fact that I felt those feelings I was I was, I had all my crystals, I had, you know, I had amber, uh, resin burning, I had my birth support team, and it was at home, it was, and the day came, and there was no doubt in me, I, in fact, Blair took, um, he, on Instagram, he, he, he saw this video of a jaguar, 
who latched onto this crocodile and just with his really strong legs climbed up this soil and he had caught the crocodile and he was going to eat the crocodile and he was just like this powerful creature and I felt like that jaguar during my birth I was like super present and I worked with my breath the whole way through just inhaling and exhaling with an arm all the way through um the laboring process and there was not one time within me where I felt like I cannot do this and it was the first time I've ever felt that way ever so anyway I got to I got to the end um, and he came out just so beautifully and it was just like the most magical thing and it was like, I felt like there was this, it's like in my mind, I knew there was that power within me. Like I felt like I am a powerful woman, but I never believed it. But during the birth, it was like I touched my power and I just ran away with it. And I was that jaguar. And when he came out, I just felt this complete sense of, completion of like I've completed my my birthing journey so with Monroe it was it was experiencing trauma and learning how to heal from it was Navy and um, and then Bay Bay's birth was power this this one word power and I touched it and I was it was like yes I've done my I've I've completed this cycle of discovering like my births are indicative of my own discovery of my inner power really so it's really hard to put this to words but it's quite wonderful so it's far. quite wonderful and and um because of that they and i have a huge connection a, a, a connection of stillness and presence mm. that i felt all the way through the birthing process Yes, beautiful. Uh, <laughs> what you've been—I mean, this is your third birth, so you've you've sort of you've been through it before. But why? What makes each of them different? Is that a silly question to ask? No, like, it's a great question. Because it's—I would think that it's the same sensations. Maybe if anything, you would be more um, equipped to handle whatever you needed to do, say by the third birth, you, you sort of know what to do, you know what to expect. But then you still said that you were afraid for the third one. Uh, well, well, why? Like, wouldn't you, like, wouldn't you have already had the experience from the first and the second one to be able to anticipate the third one? So what made the third one so scary? You know what, like on a like complete physiological level, I, I knew what my body was going to go through. I knew I was going to go through early labor, active labor, transition, birth. So I, 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 I had that understanding from my first and second birth. So definitely that helped me with my third birth, knowing that I don't have to think about these things anymore because I'm aware of these things that's going to happen to my body. But I think... It's every birth is so different. You're bringing in a different soul. You, then each soul has its own 
characteristics, its own its own um, personality, and so with each birth, it's a, a complete surrender to to becoming a channel for these beings to come through. So, as much as you think I can control the birth and have this perfect birth or whatever you want to call it it doesn't happen all the time like that mm. and the only perfect birth is the one that you are able to let go to and surrender to and allow the soul to guide the mother in the birthing process so I would say like when I look at Monroe his birth was he's very he likes things structured he likes things and he likes he's a bit of it has a bit of an engineering mind and so when he came out, I ended, I ended up having an epidural with him. And that's what he wanted. His soul wanted that. So I went there with him. But then I needed to heal. And then Navy, he's very independent. He's very self-assured. He's his own entity. He, he runs his own race. And so when he came out, it was like he just kind of popped out at the end. Like it was this, this reflex that he... He just came and I was a little bit shocked like oh my gosh okay he's here and with and that's who he is now and with Bay he him and I worked together like we were holding hands during the birth his spirit and my spirit holding hands and we did it together and now I have this very close visceral connection with him that is quite beautiful um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting. So you, so it's, so when you're saying like, what, why the fears and why, you know, you've already done this before, but it's just so different each time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting that you're able to describe these, the, the births in with, you're able to describe the births in a way that has like, each birth is different and the way you described it somehow showed their personality even like their personality as people is represented through the way that they were born which is very interesting it's very strange like to hear this I've never heard of it being described this way before and and I've seen Navy and I and I yeah he is his own you know he does what he wants he's sort of just there and for him to be birthed uh, like when you gave up to him and he sort of just came out on his own time like he just I'm out deal, like this is it deal with it that was and, him yeah. yeah and his birth was that way and, and he is this way and then and I, I see I see the connection to it I was like oh that's interesting have you spoken to other mothers and have they shared similar experiences about this? Is this a thing? Like, this most is really- definitely. I feel like I feel like yeah, the medical system just doesn't acknowledge yeah. what the, the spiritual journey of birthing. So we're all left. Mothers are left unaware to the potential of themselves mm. and the potential of their their beings that they're being that they're bringing through. Mm. And that's the sadness of it all. So it's good that we're talking about it here so we can bring yeah. awareness to it. And and also just, you know, tell mothers that we're like our bodies are meant to do this. Yeah. We're meant to be birthing. We're meant to be 
we're meant to open that we're we're capable like our bodies are strong enough to do everything that it's meant to do in the birthing in the birthing um, process I think it's just a disconnection now that we are experiencing mm. I mean my yeah. understanding of birth is a very surface level like it's just reproduction you you know sperm touches the egg and then the baby comes out I never think of it in such a such a detailed way of like the personality of the birth the the way it the baby comes out and how it reflects on their on their their individual individuality and and I feel like that that seems to open up more questions for me also like what does this mean like what is this about what is this thing that only mothers can tune into this instinct or this motherly instinct that they have the bond that they have with the children and and is it you know is it universal or have we lost connection to that have i I feel i need to ask my mom i need to ask you know friends that i know (laughs) whether like hey do you feel this when you and does it make any sense Okay. It's also like preconception and conception in pregnancy. There's a, there's a book called Spirit Babies, and it's written by this guy called Walter McKitchen. And I love referring to this book because he talks, he is a psychic, and he can see the soul of, of babies connected to their parents. And they're usually shrouded in the blue light. And it's their, the spirit babies usually either with the mother or the father. Mm. And so, and they, and the, and the, the spirit of this baby follows the parents around until they're, until they're ready to birth the baby. And it's so wild if you think about it because you think, oh, well, it's just a physiological process and it's, I'm just gonna, the sperm meets the egg and da da da. But it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's so much more complex because I think I've heard something like this being being shared to me before about how yeah, even though you would think that you were the one that birthed your child, it's also the child that chose who the mother is to be birthed into. So then of all the children that you could have had, you know, your son, your daughter, that is the one that he or, he, he or she chose you as well to be the mother. So then there there is that circle, that connection of everything is being, everything makes sense, everything fits, the glove fits. And, and, and you know, people don't talk about that, people don't understand that, people don't think about it in that way. Actually, my sister-in-law and my brother, oh. they were experiencing some difficulties in conception, and it wasn't even like, it wasn't anything that drastic, it was just that they were wanting a child, mm. and they could feel the presence of the child, but they weren't, con- they weren't conceiving, and um, I gave them the book to read, and then they started doing the mantras and inviting this the soul, the spirit, to come into the world with them and talking to the spirit, and and chanting, and you know they're they're not they're not yogis, and they were chanting mm. in their in their house, and within a month, two months, their baby arrived, and. Um, we just simply have to be made aware that there's this whole other world that is not just what we see in this mm. reality, this dimension, that we are just part of this greater cosmos, that we're all cosmic beings. And these babies that we bring through are, yeah, we're, we're already in that world with them and we just have to be made aware of that. 
Does this have to do, um, so what, what about intuition and how does this connect? Like say the intuition of the mother, is there any connection with the birth of the child? The intuition of the mother, is there any connection to the birth of the child? What do you mean by that? Like say, or maybe not intuition is the word, like the sensing of it. Like say you, 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 you put out an intention. The mantra, you chant the mantra or, or whatever, and then you seek your your seek your inviting, right? And then once that once once you put that out there and it and it comes to you, is it some kind of like something being manipulated in this other world? Because mm. you, you set the intention. So um, like say uh, yeah, let's call it intention instead. Yeah. So you set an intention, you put it out there, and then it comes to you. But it was also meant for you because you said that your 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 sister in law was was feeling the presence of of a child, but then they weren't able to conceive. So then something was missing, and it was maybe um, the child was trying to find its way but couldn't find it. And then like, oh wait, I hear my mother and father chanting this thing. Ah, oh, there it is. Okay, I'll, I'll go there. So is there some link? I don't even know what I'm asking. No, it's a good question. Now, I think I understand what you're trying to say or ask here. So, Walter McKitchen, in his book, I'm going to reference him because Mm. he's just, uh, he, you know, he's got really good examples in there. Some souls, they might feel scared. Mm. They might feel like uh, baby souls. They might feel scared. They might feel there's something that is holding them back from coming through um, he gave an example of I think it was um, I couldn't I cannot remember the exact the, the exact details but it was a soul that was crossing a bridge but was so scared to it was a vision right so the soul was crossing the bridge but he got to the middle of the bridge and then he couldn't keep going and he said to the mother he said when you are do- giving birth, you're going to get to a point during the birth where you will need to go and get your baby. You need to cross Whoa. that bridge and meet this baby in the middle of the bridge, hold his hands, cuddle him, hug him, tell him that he's going to be okay, mm. she's going to be okay, and then you're going to have to bring the baby with you. So he talks about this like some babies, you they come right through, through your, you know, um, central channels from your crown chakra they come the soul comes through and it it just come out Mm -hmm. and that felt to me like navy's birth some some births the mother has to leave their bodies the soul has to leave the body go and pick the babies up (laughs) and then both come down together Uh and that felt like day's birth to me um and so they're all very different and it depends on the soul of the baby and what their needs are. Yeah. So does that answer? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess what all the questions that I'm trying to ask is to find out more about this connection of, of, of beyond the physical physiology of birth. And I want to find out more about this this connection and like you know you bring the baby across but I don't know what to ask (laughs) 
And I'm, <laughs> I oh, love the yeah, honesty. I don't know why I'm trying to ask because I, I, so this is a new concept for me, right? There's personalities with birth. There's different, uh, yeah, there's, there's different personalities. And then as you go deeper, you, you understand like, okay, there's the soul baby. And then there's that the mother choosing the soul, the mother choosing the child, the child choosing the mother. It's all this, um, we'll call it, a different plane, right? All this is happening in our di- on a different plane. So then the questions that I'm interested to know is whether the mother can sense these things through intuition of like, okay, no, my baby's at the bridge. I need to go get him. Like, is this a natural thing? Is this something that you need to tap into? Do you need to have someone to be able to sense it and let you know, like say like that guy, that the, the, the vision guy? So, and, and, and is this even... I think that all mothers on some level on, on some instinctual level f- feel or resonate with I think we all have it we all have this this intuitive nature within us it's just a matter of whether we are able to connect to it is this on- the source of the female intuition you think which is the mother in, the motherly intuition of being able to sense your child it's you know most definitely because we're sense, so powerful yeah. like mothers women oh. are so powerful it's only through the generations and through society that we've been um, oppressed, oppressed, you know. But um, <laughs> but but if you look at what we can do, mm. it's it's beyond the scope of reality. Mm. Yeah, beyond the scope of reality. That is the word to to describe all this. And I'm asking questions in 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 the in the sense of logic and not in the sense of. You got to go to your right brain. Yeah. Because we're all sitting here in our left brain. We're all trying to go linear. I'm trying to make sense of all this logically, but rationally. Sometimes things but I, don't know. Yeah. They don't have to make sense. They just have to, It is just what it is. Yeah. It is just what it is. Yes. <sighs> Maybe this is all already within us. It was all. We had it all along. We were able to tap into it long ago, but then now, because of whatever the world is changing, and we're, we're no longer be able. We're no longer able to happen to those that part of the brain and then and we we, we we forget through years of just like how animals when they're born they they know that oh i a monkey i need to learn how to climb the tree oh i'm i'm the tiger i need to learn how to attack or to pounce or 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 how come like you know dogs they pee on stuff they it's all passed down from their instincts right it's in their blood they know primal, as yes. primal yes they know once they're born i need to do this Humans have seemed to have lost that ability and they learn it in external ways rather than learning it through internal ways. I'm born, I don't know anything, so then it's up to my parents to teach me, it's up to society to teach me, and to the school to, to educate me. But then we conform, we conform to all the social norms, we conform, this is wrong, that is bad, do this to, do the, to get this, don't do that or you'll go to jail, blah, blah, blah. And we never get the chance to really... S- to, to really understand ourselves and we lose ourselves in that process because for now we're just part of society which is yes. amazing and a whole other fucking topic but like if you to expand on the soul coming through and why they're so nervous sometimes and so scared is that when they're in spirit world or spirit land or whatever you want to call it consciousness or this other um, realm plane it's so beautiful there. Everything is one. It's just they're just they're they're light beings, 
and they have to come into this world, mm. this world that is full of of tension, is full of stuff that they have to deal with. But if the soul has chosen to come in because they believe that they can do something, they can grow, they can evolve in themselves, they can fulfill something in that particular lifetime that may shift the world slightly, whatever. And that's why sometimes like sometimes souls, baby souls, mm. find it really hard to come through because they 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 don't or to cross that bridge because they're there's they're they're so happy where they are. So they they they, they need a lot of love mm. con- loving connection from their parents to say it's okay. We've got you. We're we're here. We love you. We're gonna we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna be here for you. We're gonna support you and guide you, and you'll be fine. And so that is also, yeah, that's also part of the the thing. But it's also not just the birthing. It's after. It's the postpartum years as well, where it's so important to you know the first two weeks when Bay was born. He he didn't close, he didn't open his eyes, and I thought, wow, he's still in spirit world. He's 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 not wanting to be here. It's opposite to Navy. When Navy came through, eyes wide open, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> he's got it all worked out in the spirit world. By the time he got here, he was he was good to go. Yeah. But Bay was different. He needed some time to integrate into this into this realm. Right. And and now he's great now he's he's completely integrated he i can his eyes are wide open he's interacting with us he's here in the earthly realm he, he's aware of it but it took a lot of skin to skin and telling him that we love him and we're here mm-hmm. we support you we're and for the first few weeks of his life to reassure him his soul that it's we're here he's okay he's loved so it's um it's quite a profound thing and it's so yeah. beautiful to watch. All this was just through your own you witnessed all this, you 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 came to understand all this through your own fruition. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah, but I think also many mothers would have their own stories yeah. as well. I've I've also heard many stories through many other mothers, so I'm sure. I it just like, isn't really spoken about. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've, I mean, this is the first I've heard of something like this. And now I'm thinking of like, you know, all the mothers here. And I, I wonder what that story is. The, the the birth story, the personality of how it, of how the physical birth, you know, how it, how, how it, it came to be. If you think about it, when the baby comes out, everyone in the family is like, oh, baby so cute mm-hmm. and then they forget about the mother yeah yeah but don't forget the mother just went through a humongous shamanic process i think um walter mckitchen calls the mother um, a shaman a birth shaman during a birth so we every woman becomes a birth shaman and then we forget the mother and then we just go okay you're fine now now oh my gosh the baby we gotta do this we gotta do that make sure he's okay or she's okay and and then the mother gets to get forgotten mm. and this is why it's really important that we look at the mother all throughout you know conception pregnancy birth Post. postpartum and it's i feel like in our current society the role of the mother is is lost we just mm. it's 
yeah, it's um, it's I I don't know how to describe this. It's lost base. It's lost because we've forgotten, or it's lost because society has other plans for mothers. Or- it's because of the disconnection. It's because because mothers because because now we're we're no the the innate intuitive nature and the it's the physiology of the mother is no longer trusted by the medical system. So we have to go in there and do episiotomies, we have to go in there go in there and do cesareans, we have to cut mothers apart, we have to do all these things because we believe that mothers cannot birth a child mm. on her own. And then once a the mother has done that, baby comes and then baby is at the center of attention. Mm. And so we need to shift the focus back around to to the mothers of course the babies as well but if the mother is empowered yeah well healthy the baby will be as well interesting i feel like this is i feel like i need i need it i need to understand this a bit more i mean Maybe I do. you can go home and talk to your mother yeah. about this uh, ask her what her birth story is because yeah, yeah, she will story. have her own birth story as well you know yeah because especially as a guy you know like we, we, we're not we'll never be able, I'll never be able to have, to have to learn about this kind of thing maybe mothers you know women they talk about this they share these stories but men really don't maybe we just don't care or we just don't resonate with it but it's interesting still from my perspective to hear this and to still be I, I'm interested in it I'm interested to find out different people's stories to see whether it makes sense like whether I understand it and 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 to understand it myself I feel like there is a awareness and there is a compassion for 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 motherhood and personally me I've never wanted to have children I've never wanted to I've never even I've thought about it but I've never you know I've never wanted to I've sort of just come to terms with that and I've always been. It's just nothing. It's not something that. It's not something that I'm interested to. I like. I don't. Maybe I'm. I'm afraid. Let's put it that I'm afraid to have kids, or I'm afraid to have that. That kind of responsibility, and so I resist it. I resist it, and I almost like reject it. Sometimes it, it sounds a bit bad, but but I will be like, huh, you're pregnant uh, okay well there goes your life you know you're never gonna be able to do this or you're never gonna or you know tie it down forever so then I never really bothered to understand all this but then I guess you get older and you you, you, you let go of some things and then you and I'm always seeing because I'm teaching at Sundays at RP a VP and I see the kids there all the time <laughs> I look at them and they look at me and they're playing around and then and then you know they're kids they're innocent and they are uh, what's the word? You know what? Kids, they are like, they are not. They're just there. They are just always there. And they have no. They are always present. They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to be. They have no. They gotta. They, they don't need to get home by five. They don't need to, to be on a call. They, they are just there, right? They're just being. They're always constantly in the state of being. And then I look at them and they look at me and they're present. And I was like, hmm, what's. What do you know that I don't know? What can I learn from this little boy or girl? And I see them for like that two seconds and then, and they look at me and then they, they, 
they look at me and then they go look at other things and with that same intent of like hmm what's this and there's that curiosity and I and I and we forget you know we were born with that people call it innocence but I think it's more of just presence like you're so present you're not in the past you're not in the future and you're just here and then as adults we worry we worry about the future we 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 we're anxious about the past so then we're not present but then the 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 child has that ability to still be present and then i look at them and there's something to learn from them and i i acknowledge it i'm aware of it i don't know what this connection is but i'm aware of it and then the more i you know i talk to amber i talk to you and I, the more i learn about these things and then plus i'm getting older and all my friends are getting married and pregnant and stuff <laughs> like that. so it's around me all the time and then i start to learn a bit more about it and then now like hearing this concept of that soul child and and how the mother has to to find the child and the child also has to find the mother and that's something very interesting to hear i don't know why but it's interesting i'm glad you shared it well thank you for being so honest about your own <sighs> yeah. journey in in regards to fatherhood mm. I think that's, you know, the fears that you have mentioned are legitimate ones. And I'm sure many men are experiencing the same things. It's and a also, huge responsibility. Huge. I mean, I can't even take care of myself. I can't even, <laughs> I'm still a, like, not many people know this, but I, uh, but not many people know this, but we're, we're about the same age, right? Yeah. And I'm 34. How, how old I'm, are you? I'm 34 this year. So, oh, we're, so 87. we're almost the same age. Yeah. And when you're outside looking in and you look at the both of us, which one's the more mature one? You can see already. Which one's the... I'm still a little boy in my own body, even though we're both the same age, but you've, you're a mother now. And, and with the, the title of the mother comes responsibility and comes strength, right? The mother, ooh. But I'm still the boy. But I feel like you've got a depth of wisdom and knowledge that you 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 have within you that you sometimes I mean, you might I, not I, see but i feel like you've got it you've got, it's all within you i hope so I and mean, also the role of um of the men mm. we need more powerful men so men like you curious open to have these conversations to open their minds about it to talk to a woman and be able to hold space for the woman is is what powerful women need Powerful women, right. powerful women need powerful men. That's true. So, you know, and then on the other thing that you said about children being just these conscious, pure beings. Oh, back to that. Like, I've seen you play with children. You're very good with children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm one as well. It's like I can resonate with them. <laughs> we all are, uh, right? We all have yeah. that uh, childlike nature within us. We've just forgotten it. Hmm. But Rudolf Steiner... Um, who is a philosopher basically and he he talks about the child being immersed and actually still in spirit land until the age of seven when their crown chakra closes so seven eight years old when they when their first uh teeth teeth cuts through the adult teeth cuts through when they can when when their lower lumbar gets developed when they can touch their ears uh, with their hands over their head when their physio physiology starts developing um but bef but before that they're still living in imagination and myths and they're still completely one with spirit world mm. and 
they come in to us and then we're like, don't do this, don't、mm-hmm. do that, be this person, be that, that's good, that's bad. And we start locking them into these systems of thinking that、right. is so detrimental to the child. You know, nowadays with children in Singapore, they're learning to read at five years old. They shouldn't be learning to read until they're, until they're, they can touch their ears with their hands because they're not even, they're, they haven't yet developed the link、mm-hmm. between or the bridge between the right and left brain to even learn to read. So we need to be very careful that we don't, that we look at the child. Yeah, that we don't start imparting these things onto the child that starts shutting them down and、mm-hmm. moving, moving them away from, from this pure light energy. I guess we can segue into the into language that we use with children. And I think you mentioned how there's a, a way to nurture them with words. Yeah, words have a lot of power. So, we have to be really, and also I'm an Aquarius, so I.、Uh, I communication. Communication,、yeah. air sign. And I. There's a lot of words that we use. For example, we go, no, 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 no.、Mm. And I do it all the time with maybe he's about to you know, touch an electrical cord. No, 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 no. And, and then now he's saying, no, 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 back to me. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm also you know, along that journey of, remind, of bringing awareness to it.、Um, You know, Blair changes Bay every single day, and he's going, You're powerful. You're, you're light. You're love. And, and, and just saying them to him like a mantra, and he's just looking at him into his eyes and just transmitting these qualities. And we go to the park, to the playground with Navy, and, and I, I watch Blair, and he's pushing Navy on the swing. And every push, he's saying, You're love. You're light. You're powerful, you're, and all, everything,、um, any, you know, any, anything that just lifts them, that, that reminds them of their truth. And it's so important that we honor that in them. And I think it's also really important that we look at the child as their sovereign entity,、mm. that we're not. That we, we, need, we need their consent. You're not, you're, not, you're not here to control the child. You're just here to facilitate their growth. Exactly. And a lot of parents mistake that as, you know, they, they live a certain way. Maybe they didn't get the chance to live their lives. And then, therefore, they try and force their expectations onto their children. And then it's a vicious cycle. So. Because that comes from fear. Yeah. It comes from fear of. Of their child not growing up the way they want them to, or whatever. It just it comes from this general energy of fear. So we come from a place of love when we parent them, then we start to shift our perspective and our language naturally shifts as yeah. well. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, even as an adult, to hear like, oh, like, you know, someone constantly reminding you of your worth. It's very empowering. Yeah. Especially, and, and for, for it to, to be received. As a child, where you're, maybe you're not as cognitively aware, but then subconsciously it still, it still goes in. It still goes in. And every time you push on the swing, and it's just, it's just a very simple but effective method of just, you know, planting these little tiny seeds in them. Yeah. 
I try not to teach them as much. Like we're always in this mode of like, I have to teach my child this, that, and the other. And I try to stay quite open to them teaching me. Oh. And then, so for example, with Monroe, he's wonderful. He comes home and he tells me all about the plants that he's working with. He's he goes to the, the Waldorf School here in Singapore, and it's all about being connected to nature because through nature they learn about themselves. And he talks to me about it, and I'm not in that space of like, well, you know, this blue pea flower plant does this, 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 and by the way, it does this as well, and trying to make overwhelm him with information. So I, I'm learning to hold space for him, to to create that sense, to, to create that sanctuary for him to to come home and 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 just tell me things. So for example. He was chatting to me about the. He he brought home some earthworms and he was telling me about them. He loves them. He's playing with them and on his hands and everything. And the navy is squealing. He's running away. And my mom is like, "What are you doing, bringing earthworms home?" And it's, um, and he's sharing them with me. And and what they want from you is presence. Yeah. They don't want to hear you tell them more about earthworms and what they do and all the things that they you know more information, more left brain stuff. So I just sit there and I listen to him and I stay quite open to him and I listen. And they know, children know, when you're not listening to them, when you're like kind of doing something else in your head, they're, they're super aware of it. So I just, I have to remind myself because we get busy to listen to him, to be present with him. And I, I, I hear my own breath as I listen to him. And then the more, and then, you know, and then he might say, something like these earthworms um, like to eat these plants and I go eat these plants so I repeat the last three words Ooh. back to him and it's something I learned from masterclass by this guy Chris Voss he's an FBI negotiator I've seen that yes. before yeah and he was talking about communication and language and that applies to children as well right because when he when I repeat that to him it, the last it shows three that words you're listening it reminds him that yeah. I'm listening but I'm not trying to add my own information into it. And then it allows him to expand his own thoughts around it. So yeah, he yeah. goes, yeah. And so they not only do they love eating plants, they also love eating fruits or whatever. So like, um, and then he starts, and then he expands his own understanding of what he's working with. Right. And, and then... And then I go, well, sounds like this, these earthworms are really productive creatures. And so I, I mirror what he's, I mirror him, you know, mm. I, and I help him and I, and this is also again, a Chris Voss tactic, which is amazing for children. I love it. I bet it works for adults as well. It works for adults, yeah. works for um, people at the workplace, it works for everybody. Mm. Um, and, the, and then through, through the way we speak to them, we, we hold space for them right. to expand their awareness through through us allowing them mm. the chance to, you know what I mean? So powerful. What was that technique that you said you wanted to, you just mentioned it just now. What technique? You said there was another technique and then I interrupted you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that was it, okay. yeah. Huh. And also I think it's really important to, it's really easy for us to be like okay let's read all these parenting books and like get all the information from these books and be like overcrowding our own minds with information and we're all in left brain again 
adults. Mm. We already are in left brain all the time anyway, so we're gonna we just keep <laughs> pulling ourselves back there. And I find myself what I have to do when I'm with my child is to empty my mind, to mm. like to to get rid of all the things I've learned, and to actually respond to what's happening in front of me. So I call this intuitive parenting. So it's like it's no longer logic. It's no longer like Because this person said I have to do this and say exactly this way that I have that it's going to get it's going to get the best outcome for me and my child. So intuitive parenting for me is just watching your child, observing your child. When does my child need some boundaries? When do I have to say to him, Monroe, it's not okay. I don't, I don't feel that I don't like you doing that. I don't like you jumping in the bed, for example. And I like I like doing that. I like saying to him, "I don't like you jumping in the bed because he's relating to me, mm. to my boundaries, and that's very important. He's not relating to some universal rule of the fact of not jumping on the bed. Yes, it's, it's, it's not saying you can't jump on the bed. Yeah. Like that is disempowering because then he has to follow this random rule that is that is like, well, I want to jump on the bed, so I'm going to yeah. jump on the bed anyway. But he's relating to my boundaries right. as another human being because we're gonna. He's ha- he would have to grow up and respect other people's boundaries as mm. well, and that's just part of living in society in a community with people. So I don't like you jumping on the bed, Monroe. Can you please? Mm. Can you please stop? And then he relates to me, and that's really important. That as a parent, that you know when to set those clear personal boundaries. But also when to let them just go and explore and play and and have fun. Like for example, with Navy, you know he's crawling all over the house and there's these steps and my mom is like, oh my gosh, steps! He's gonna fall down and everything. But I watch him when he was nine months old crawling around the house, and I just stood there and I held space for him with my own energy. And then he just kind of like flicked his his right butt butt cheek onto the onto the edge of the step. And then his left butt cheek, and then he was, and then his left leg, and right, and then he was down. And mm-hmm. he's he made he he learned to get down by himself yeah. with his own body, and it's so empowering for him as a baby to learn that yeah. he can do it on his own, and that, but he with the support from his parents holding space for him to do mm-hmm. so. Oh, this is very. I I've seen the way I mean you interact with your 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 kids, and it's. I really like it because it's it is very it's a very empowering way of caring for little ones, and you give them that space, like what you just said. You hold space for them to just be, to grow, and and to just explore their own individuality and to to become who they were meant to be without any interference, right? Because sometimes, uh, you know, parents are strict or they. They whip their kids into a certain mold, and then like, like oh, oh, my my son plays piano because I sent him to the piano school or whatever you know like they, whatever mold that they try and fit into it to to achieve a certain, um, whatever. But then the kid maybe he never really enjoyed playing piano. He never got the chance to explore what he wanted to do. He never felt safe enough to do so because parents didn't give. Him that opportunity to just explore, so seeing how you 
raise your kids and like even the simple fact of like sometimes when you come when you come by for your meetings on Fridays and you leave Navy downstairs and he's just there by himself and 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 you're fine with it you just trust that he's gonna be fine he's just he's just there and he's not like crying oh where's my mommy he's just sort of chilling <laughs> he's just chilling in his little you know crib sometimes he stands up he climbs if he wants to come up he can come up you know we're there we wave at him he doesn't want to come up he's happy he's fine there he's just chilling he doesn't make any noise and if he does climb up he can he'll climb up and it's just like he's just there he's just enjoying his own space and you let him be there you're not constantly watching him okay oh be careful I don't touch this oh it's dirty Uh, oh don't you know he learns in his own way if he wants something he'll go get it if he touches something he doesn't like, mm, okay, maybe I won't touch that again. Maybe I'll, I won't do that again. Exactly. If you never gave that kid the chance to just make mistakes or to explore, then then you stunt their growth in such a prominent way. Like it's it manifests, you know. And then when you become an adult, you you feel like oh, only now when I'm an adult that I'm free from the control of my parents am I able to then be an individual and then by then you might not know how to do it you, you, you don't know you or you might be too scared or you might be just too unsure of what to do because then everything is new again and and when you're older you have more fears because of your experiences with life you understand oh maybe I shouldn't do this police catch or whatever but when you're a child you don't know any better so you just you just immerse yourself in whatever you just touch the cockroach. You put it in your mouth. What's this? I don't know. <laughs> yes. You know, because you don't know. And oh, it tastes terrible. This is probably a gross thing. And then you learn. But as an adult, it's it's too risky to... Because to, you already know certain concepts. Like, oh, the cockroach is gross. I don't want to touch it. But then I've never touched it. What if it feels nice? What if it wiggles on my hand and I enjoy that sensation or whatever? This is a far off metaphor. But, totally, yeah. But it's still like, as an adult, it's hard to explore. As a kid, the whole world is, is, is your playground. And I guess it is important to just let your children be. It's so simple. It's so simple. And you're not like controlling them. You're not watching them. You're not having them on a leash. You're just putting them there and then trusting that they... You're not neglecting them. You're, you know, you, you watch them from afar. And you make sure that they don't like take a knife and run around with it. But you're just letting them be. And if they fall down, you watch. You hold on for like another five seconds. And he comes back up and he's fine. Exactly. He's, right? Because yeah. some kids, they fall down. Oh, the mother comes. Are you okay? Brush, brush, you know, pat. Are you okay? And then they then they, they cry. And then they realize that every time when I fall down and my mom's not there, then I get scared. Because always when I'm hurt, my, my mom will save me. But then now, uh, my mom's not here. Oh, I'm helpless. You, you know? have to allow them to process their own emotions yeah. as well. Whether it's fear or anxiety yeah. or... Yeah, we have to allow that we, we have to allow that space for them to process it, to work through it themselves because that is empowering. If we don't let them do it now, they're not able to do it when they're older right. and when they're adults and then they have to work through it then. So do we want them to work through it now or later? It's pretty simple. The best answer, way to overcome like a negative emotion, let's say fear, is to really just allow yourself to be afraid. You let it pass you. And then once the fear is gone, then you are able to master that fear a little bit more. Because the more the problem comes when, when we resist, when we tense up 
and we try and resist and we try and control the things that we can't control and the more we tense the more we feel the fear or we run away from that fear and then it becomes a vicious cycle of the fear and I resist then more fear and I resist and it's just constantly in a state of worry so then we're not equipped to deal with that emotion that's why we're always distracting ourselves or running away from it when the true way of facing it is to let it happen and then you feel it for all it's you know and you embrace it and then you master it by the way we're talking about our children but we're talking about ourselves yeah, I realized that I realized that yeah because yeah. I guess like when I was speaking on how to the, like I was saying about the way that you raise children I, I was speaking from my experience of like how um, my parents who who, who never um, gave me that space to just explore. I mean, Asian parents, they're always there. They're always protecting you. Don't, uh, don't, don't touch, don't go on the swing, it's too dirty. Oh, okay. Don't climb that tree, you'll fall down. Okay. And then I'll just, I'm just always isolated. I'm always just secure. I'm safe in the, um, in the bosom of my mom and then I never get to experience anything. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And the biggest thing for children is that we need to put them into nature as much as we can. Because in nature, they learn. They learn to protect themselves. They learn um, which... They learn They learn by looking at the plants and building with the twigs. And they, they... And not only that, like they're touching these microbiomes in the soil that boost their immune system. And they're connected to... The circadian rhythms right. of when the, the sun rises of life. Exactly, and we want them to be aware of it. So, how do we allow them to be aware of it? Is that is to give them as much time in nature as possible mm. to play with the trees, to 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 hug the tree, and to know that this tree is a living entity. It has consciousness. Mm. It has spirit. And and I see Monroe. He goes and he he talks to a ladybug. And he, he's, he's looking at this ladybug for like half an hour and he's chatting with it and, and, and you know, learning about himself through this, Interesting. through this wonderful creature. And I think that that's, that's, where, that's where a lot of disconnection happens now, children, that we're all, all of us, you know, they're in tuition centers, they're in school all day, they're, they're busy with activities. And it's really, really good for a child to be bored because what happens in boredom? Space is created. Right, stillness. Stillness is created. Presence is created. And and then we train them. That's not a good word, but we give them the opportunity to allow spaciousness to come through, to understand that this is this is normal. Yeah. To to feel spaciousness is normal. It's a normal feeling. And um, yeah. So, put your child in nature. Let them I, run around. Let them be free. I believe that that's true. I mean, like as humans or so, we always gravitate towards nature, the trees. Why do why do we why is it when we go to a park or a forest and we breathe the fresh air there and we start to feel that connection with the earth? Why do we suddenly feel at ease? And it's just it's just plants. We're just breathing fresher air. How is that suddenly so impactful? Why is it that we, when we, when we look at nature, when we look at the trees, we 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 just feel a sense of connection because we came from there. What? Exactly, we are nature. Yeah. So we are one with it, and it's 
really beautiful. We went to the to the beach yesterday, and Monroe picked out this frangipani panty mm. flower, and it's you know how it smells yeah. really lo- really lovely. I said to him, "Well, this this frangipani ha- actually has anti-inflammatory properties, so it's really good for." healing any colds even you just have it in the bath or it produces uh, very loving emotions is because it has the oils from it and um and then he's starting to understand that wow like every like i'm if you look around and at all these plants and these trees and herbs and flowers they they all contribute and they're all a symbiotic synergistic mm. um product of nature that heals us that responds to us as part of nature as well mm. so it's it's wonderful that's true. i'm actually um work i'm actually currently um going through a, a professional herbalism program mm-hmm. so you know i love working with plants and botanicals and using them to treat my children mm. and it's it's inspiring me it's actually like it's actually changing my genetic code as i'm oh as I'm going through this process because I'm like, wow, this is opening up a whole new world for me where now I can see how everything integrates, how everything is one. And it's, yeah, I, I, I'm going through that shift and then I can see how my kids are as well. Mm, okay. Interesting. In fact, there was um, a... During the, the shutdown last year in Singapore, I, I was going through quite a bit of, I was doing a lot of meditation at that time, and I was also pregnant, so I was very open, and for some reason, it was about two weeks, I was constantly kept going into regressive states, like I would I would go into my past lives, and I'm not the kind of person that, I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to go into a past life for no reason, I'm just, I just... I just allow whatever comes through comes through but for some reason that entire week every time I closed my eyes I just went into a past life and one of my past lives that I went into there were multiple and it was really nice as I had a conversation with Lee about it because at that, at that same time she had got, just finished her past life course or uh-huh. um, in India yeah. or she had just came back from it a few months ago so it was nice to reflect off of somebody mm-hmm. but one of my past lives I was a a Victorian woman I was wearing a Victorian dress with the ruffles around the neck and the long sleeves and I was carrying this leather suitcase and in my suitcase it was a bag full of herbs and I was going up the steps and I was about to meet like my young lover it was I was living on the outside of society I wasn't part of society I was kind of like a bit of a witch you know but but I was practicing medicine and I went there and I was like, oh, whatever. And then I just came out of it and that was it. And then now this year, when the opportunity arose for me to do this chorus, I was like, oh my gosh, I already had this um, feedback from last year. And, and it's amazing when you just sit in silence and you sit in that space of meditation, what comes through and, and how everything just connects into this lifetime. And then you realize that there is no past, there is no future. It, it's just oh, a cyclical... Um, oneness yeah. that we're in you know time time is time is time it is just is you know when we think about that concept of like there's no past there's no future there's only present there's only there's only here when we're able to think of it in that way then how do I let me think of how I want to phrase what I want to say it's sort of like when we understand that 
everything has a reason because if let's say there's a past and there's a future and, and, and there's past lives there's we live many lives and if we are all meant to go down a certain path each and every one of us has our own divine path then even if we don't fulfill what we need to fulfill if we don't learn the lesson in this life we will learn it in the next life if not the next and the next because ultimately we have something needs to be fulfilled right so then the more we resist certain things the more we only serve to distance ourselves from our true self the true path the atma whatever and if we let go of that concept and we realize that whatever we do whatever there is we will always we trust we will always flow with the natural as long as we flow with the natural flow of life and whatever that it has to offer us whatever the direction that it takes us it will lead us to the path that we are meant to be at so then with the concept of past lives with the concept of just being in this present moment where you don't worry about the past where you don't worry about the future then there really is no reason to worry about anything because if you trust and if you let go we will always move in the direction that we're supposed to be moving anyway and then I guess like say when you have your regressions and you see that like you were a herbalist before and you're a herbalist now and it's not like something you seek because the more you seek it the more further away it gets from you so then it's just very natural it's just all very natural and it's because you have this you live a certain way and you have a certain mindset and I think it's something that even I'm striving to find where it's just a surrender of you just living your life day by day being as present as you can and you trust that you are on the right path and some things happen some things don't and if it if it comes then it was for you if it leaves that it wasn't meant for you and I think uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean I'm still uh, there are things that I still resist and what do you resist? just uh, you know say things come and go and then if you resist it then there's suffering but if you acknowledge that you know it came you learned whatever you need to learn from that experience you have to and then it goes then it was not meant for you and you have to uh, have to accept it and then I'm trying to find like a the trust that I'm on the right path where I'm supposed to be I think we all have to do shadow work I had a talk with Edmund about this so this is the shadow work thing yeah and we need to face it and we need to sort that out as well because the shadow is still part of you it's just a reflection of you and it's always there it's always following you just like the actual shadow but we have we can't let it consume us I think that in yoga we're always moving towards the light Mm -hmm. we're always the light in me bows to the light Mm -hmm. in you namaste what about the darkness in me bows to the darkness in you namaste Mm -hmm. like that but yoga is also has that we do yin and yang that is that is the light and the shadow but we're we're always working towards the light Mm -hmm. but you know that's where the shamanic work comes in working at looking at your um doing inner child work healing the wound within you healing 
ancestral patternings that arise within you in this lifetime. Um, yeah, tell me yeah. more about the the inner, uh, inner child work thing that we were talk that we talked about briefly about it. What yeah. is what is your understanding of it? It's the wounds from past lives or yeah. from your childhood. Perhaps it, it can be as simple as like my mother came to me when I was five years old because I didn't want to go to school. And that's a wound. That's trauma. Your mother, my mother did the best she could as a mother. She was, you know, amazing. But she had her own inner child work that wasn't done in an ancestral work that ancestral patternings that she has taken on from her father who caned her when she was a little girl so then now when i was a little girl she caned me and then i have to heal those wounds because i was five yeah i was wide open i was spirit being and she and and i and that's traumatic so acknowledging it bring awareness to it and the feelings that come around it the fear that the fear that comes up around it negativity is really important and it's not just that it's 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 you know I'm, I'm just giving an example right but we all have to do it we all have to look at it because if we don't then we just carry around with us until we actually start looking at it when we're older and yeah, then by yeah. then it might be too late and then it's next lifetime do you think like I think I was having this conversation with York and she said like something about how trauma is passed down through your through biologically sometimes like your your mother had face this thing and then when you're born you feel the same trauma as well I I never understood it in a logical sense because I'm, I guess I'm always trying to understand things in a lot intrinsic things in a logical sense but when you said that it reminded me about how like say like I just suddenly thought about how whatever traumas that I'm dealing with were similar to the traumas that my dad was facing as well so maybe it was passed down to me and then maybe it is also my responsibility to deal with that before it gets passed down again somehow some way and uh, I mean I feel the similarities in terms of that I and and through uh, you know I'm, I mean I practice yoga so then comes with awareness and I'm aware of that and I've always been trying to understand it and I'm always trying to to just rationalize it, to understand it, right? I actually really believe that if we, you and I, mm. we heal our wounds. We heal others We well. heal our yeah. wounds. So if you heal your wound, whatever it is, you will heal your dad's wound. Mm. And then this wound is healed, so it's no longer passed down to the next generation, to your children. Yeah. And if it's not, then it gets passed down until yeah. somebody along the way works to healing yeah, yeah. healing it interesting um, and also in the womb the mother what's the mother going through was the mother stressed mm. was, the, was she going through a divorce was she um, experiencing um, grief loss whatever mm. um, the child takes it all on and the child is mm. born with those same emotions in, in its cellular structure mm. And so that's inner child work, having right. to go back into into the into these spaces and acknowledging it, bring awareness to it, accepting it, moving through it. Mm. 
It's really profound, but we all have to do it. If we want to see a better world, we all have to. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what other people's experiences are. Whether they are able to tap into this awareness of how, let's say, they are dealing with something very profound in their life, and it's something that is a constant, a constant test. You know, like like if you're, if you, everybody has a lesson to learn, and if you're not aware of what that lesson is, it will keep coming back, and it will force you to face it. So there's always a theme in your life where these things keep happening to you, and you wonder why. It's a form of synchronicity, or so, because you probably have to learn that lesson. For me, that was, I mean, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but what came up for me is my own healing. Mm. And so when I go back, I've had a couple uh, past life regressions. One I did with a, a very skilled practitioner who was a, a trained student of Brian Weiss. Who's um, a very skilled uh, regressionist ther- therapist, and I worked with her, and she has a practice out of North Bondi in Sydney, and and then another time was when I just went into my own meditation and I went there, but in one of the regressions I went into, I was a a young girl living in China, and I had a mother, and we both lived together. And then I, I was running through the field, and I knew we were very poor. So I went at the age of fourteen. I went to I sold my body to to bring money home from my from my mother. And in that lifetime, my mother in that story is my mother in this lifetime. And so I can feel that same sadness between my mother and I in this lifetime, in that has been created in that lifetime, and then. I grew up, and she knew I was selling my body to give money to her for food, and she never said a single thing to me. And she was, but I could feel her sadness and her disappointment in herself for not having done enough for me. And then I was, I ended up on this side of the road selling vegetables, and I was quite like this, a uh, pretty young girl. And then this this man. Uh, from the city, because I was living in the country, he came by and he was wearing this white suit with white sh- leather shoes and white uh, white fedora hat. And he came along and he picked me up and off we went. And we were we got married and we had a child, a young boy together. But he was this sort of like older gentleman, and I was this helpless young girl. I was vulnerable, and. And I gave my power away to him. Mm-hmm. He saved me, and I thought I would. I thought in order for me to, to, um, to thank to be him. to thank him was just to give this power away to him. So I ended up living this quite meaningless life where I just mm-hmm. felt empty, and I ended up dying from pneumonia. And I remember during the regression how I just I I was coughing like my my lungs out as I was. In, on my deathbed, deathbed, and crying and crying, and just feeling so sad that I had that 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 was my life, and I went into spirit world, and I came back, and and the same thing is occurring to me in this lifetime, where for the first thirty years of my life, I consistently gave my power away to men around me, my father, my ex marriages, my ex husbands. Um, 
because I just thought that because I was just that was just what I knew. It was it was it was my my it's I had to heal that mm. wound. And then finally, you know, through a lot of work, a lot of um, self discovery, yeah, a lot of expo- all that. I I had I had to make I made that shift, and once I once that clicked within me, I could not understand how I could have been there in the first place, and I, I feel very proud of myself to have had done that work to have to 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 move through it. And I still love my my dad immensely, and I love, you know, my ex partners. They are, you know, beautiful human beings, but I love myself more. Mm. And so, I send love to them, but I, in that process, I honor myself, and it's a, a, a an amazing thing to discover in this lifetime for for me. And you know, now I'm with an amazing human being, Blair, and he. He not once will he imagine ever to take my power away from me. In fact, he is empowering he's you. empowering me to f- discover myself. One of the things he does that's really amazing is just sometimes I come home and I have I have a question. I don't know what to do about something. It's just a small thing. It's not a big thing. And he doesn't respond. He doesn't answer my question. He just holds space for me. And then in, in a couple of days time, I'm like, yep, I got the answer. You know, and, and he's like, okay, great. And he supports me in that. And not once will he come giving me advice or trying to guide me a certain way or, and mold me into a certain thing. Interesting. And it's, um, that's the basis of empowerment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's something to learn from that as well. Like the concept of holding space, it's so important and it's also quite hard to understand if you're not familiar with it. Like, like yeah, I guess even me, I tend to sometimes impose my my ideas on people, or if they ask for advice, I don't. I I it's like oh oh you you want my advice? Well, this is what you should do, blah blah blah. But yet, that's not what they needed, you know. And as a as a if I was to try and be as caring as I could, all you needed to do was just to to be present. That was all that they needed. <sighs> I got yeah. to learn, man. I mean, the thing about empowerment is that you want the person asking you the question to discover the answer within themselves. So even like at the studio, it's a good example. We had this conversation in the meeting one day with Angie and Nurul and Sunny, who's they're all working in the management team here in home yoga. And sometimes we hear students say, "Oh, what what do you think I should do to start with? You know, what what practice should I come into?" and and um, and I told, I said to them, it's really important that we don't start dispensing with advice. Oh, you should, the word should is always really, we've got to be really careful to use that word. Oh, you should do this hot hatha class because it's the easiest. Um, it's, you don't, there's no flow, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's not empowering for the, for the first time practitioner to just be dispensed with advice like that. Right. A, a much more empowering thing to do is to allow them to discover what works for them to start with. So we ask questions. We hold space by asking questions. We say, um, what are you working with right now? Like, is, are you, do you want something more fluid? Yeah. What's, uh, are you working with an injury? Are you pregnant? And then we can be like, well, this class uh, is this, this, and that. So give the facts of, uh, of what the class decide, is. And yeah. then 
they will be like, well, actually, I, you know, I think because I'm, I'm, I'm working with a hand injury right now, I might just start with a hot hatha or the hatha classes mm, mm. to begin with. Then and then, know, then that's your answer. And that's that's their own empowering yeah. choice. And then they can take responsibility for themselves. Right. And then that's when the responsibility comes in. So responsibility is the ability to respond, which is um, we want more people to do that mm. for themselves, you know, and and then when and if more people can take responsibility, then again, we will have an, a much more beautiful planet <laughs> to live on. <laughs> <sighs> that's true. But that's just one little example. It can be practiced all the way through with friendships, partnerships, etc. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. <sighs> what a break. Tell me what's going on with you. You said that you were going through um, quite a lot of self-reflection lately. <sighs> yes. <sighs> um, like one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you is because we can, we're able to just chat. We're able to just shoot the shit and then just, you know, just talk. Yeah. And, and, and before this, I was supposed to do a podcast with Yao Gwen. So, uh, if it, if people in podcast land you, you don't know who Yogwan is, she is uh, she's the kids yoga teacher here. She is also the author of the book Le- Lessons from the Himalayas. That's right. Which is sold here if you want to get a copy. Anyway, so so I was supposed to talk to her, and it was, I think it was last Monday or something, but then. I told her, like, and I, I, I got my own sh- I, I was going through something, and then I told her, like, I don't think I am able to hold space. So then, can we, can we postpone it? So I'm gonna still talk to her, but then, I, I, I postponed it, and when I postponed it, I felt like it was an ex, like it was like, like um, like okay, let's say if I'm sad, and I, I tell Angie, uh, Angie, I'm sad. Can I don't go to work today? You know, <laughs> so. Uh, Okay, yeah, but then like, then I can't just keep doing this one. I can't just like, oh, I'm sad, so then I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And the body is something that I enjoy doing. It's a, it's a also a creative outlet for me. And then I was a bit disappointed that like, I didn't do it, even though I get, I I know that you sort of need to be in a good space to be able to hold space, right? And I wanted to honor your. And not be, bring my own baggage into into her episode, but then when I cancelled it, I was like, mm, okay. And then 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 I ended up like still being a bit lost. And then I I knew that I needed to. I had this access access of energy, or rather a lack of energy that I needed to, to funnel into something to then regain that energy back. Right, you know. Like if you're in a rut, you need to pull yourself out of it. You need to just pull yourself out of it and then get the thing in motion and then it will get better. So so I reached out to you and said, hey, you want to chat? You want to just talk nonsense? And here we are. And it's the best episode so far. <laughs> but on a personal note, um, hmm. you said you were going through a breakup. I, I lost someone recently. And it's not a, a, it's not a literal loss. It's not a literal death, but it was, it's just the same. 
where where I won't take a deep breath it's just it's not it's to see it's almost as it's the same as a literal it's not a literal death but it's as good as one because I'll never see her again I'll never talk to her again I guess I will see her again if the, if you know but I don't think I'll talk to her again and I don't think she'll talk to me again it's one of those things so then I where do I begin so I mean I'm, I'm bummed but I also am grateful for the experience and I I'm grateful for the experience and I can and, and you know like I said just now about how people come and people go if they come you you're grateful for that experience and then when they leave you're grateful for that experience as well and I don't hold on to anything I don't grasp anything and I just love I just send my love and I love and I just let go and so through that process of grieving I've been like sitting with myself and I've been meditating and I've been just trying to feel what I need to feel to 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 let it pass me and a lot has surfaced and so previously I um it it wasn't even just one person that that died the one before and the one before they all died you know they all they all died and I never saw them again and and I think the reflection my reflection from all this is that like I need I need to something needs to change because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and the same results come out and you expect a different result then that's the definition of insanity what well, because nothing is changing and then you're still falling into the same circle so then as I get older and I get more mature and I get more aware of certain things then I realize that what's holding me back is fear so then I let myself feel that fear and it all stems from also the the the, the what, what do you call it the, the when you were young and all those past traumas that you felt that have led me to live in a certain way and it made me choose to be in a certain way as well so I was always resistant to relationships. I was always resistant to caring for someone or being responsible for someone or for having someone be responsible for me. So then, in hindsight, I was always pushing people away. It's such great insight. And the honesty of it as well, the awareness of it, is the start to... The healing process. Mm. So then, what else? I so then through the through the sitting, a lot of things arised, and I felt like I was, I felt angry at myself because I had been resisting so much. Like, um, how do I say this? How do I? So I've always thought that I. I, I, I spoke about this before, this concept about me always seeking freedom. You know, like, we all have this thing that we always, like, um, 
our calling on our calling like something that we're always resonating with and what resonated with me the most was freedom freedom in every sense of the word freedom in a literal sense where I really don't want to get tied down I want to be able to pick off and leave I travel I want to do whatever I want I don't want anyone to tell me what to do but that was a a negative what's the word a, a lower vibration of freedom because freedom the higher vibration of freedom can mean liberation can mean liberation from your fears and freedom from 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 all the negativity negativity what am I trying to say I'm gonna, let me call out my thoughts for a bit so the more I seek freedom the more I don't have it because the more things that you seek the more the more you seek security, the more insecure you feel. The more you seek certainty, the more uncertain things become. The more you desire connection, the more alone and the more separate you be. So this, the more you seek, the more you search for things, it only serves to reinforce the, your lack of it. So the more I seeked freedom, the more I realized I wasn't free. It's the attachment to it. That's um, this part of the eight limbs yes yoga mm-hmm. so then I wanted to seek freedom but I was seeking it so much that I felt trapped trapped in my own cycle trapped in my own life I want to be free so that I don't want to get tied down I don't want to let anybody in because they are infringing on my freedoms but then I trap myself on I limit myself and I prevent myself from being content because I deny myself those experiences so then, it wasn't freedom that I was seeking because th- this is not freedom. What I was actually seeking was security. So I was listening to this lecture by Alan Watts, uh, The Wisdom of Anxiety. Love Alan Watts. Ooh, oh my gosh. Bless him. So uh, I'm listening to his lecture and he's and he says security security what do you say? Security is to take away the I and isolate it. The I being the the, the Atman, the universal the self, ego. the ego, the capital I, quote unquote. To be safe, to be secure is to isolate the I. And when you isolate the I, you fortify it, you trap it, and you and it's alone and it's afraid and the desire of security is the same as the the feeling of insecurity the desire for security is the same thing as feeling insecure because the more you hold on to it the more you lose it you hold the breath you lose the breath right so the more you seek the more you don't have it the more you find security the more insecure you feel and we we feel this lack of everything because we are resistant to the natural flow of life. The more we grasp, the more we hold on to things, it only serves to, again, show us how distant we are from it. Because life in its essence is uncertain. Life in its essence is insecure and it is impermanent. And all these things make up life. So then if we resist the chaos of life, we resist, we, we resist life itself. So then we're not living. So then, so then 
the only way to be a part of it is to be it, is to feel it, is to embrace it for all its emotions, to let the fear pass, to let the sadness pass. So then, another quote by Alan Watts is, he says that to know that you can do nothing is the beginning. So because life is uncertain and insecure and, and everything, you know, you can do nothing. That is a fact. There is believing in something and then there is knowing something and you know that there is nothing you can do. And therefore, lesson one is to give up, to surrender to everything. And you are just a drop in the river and you let the river of life flow. And if it turns this way, if it turns that way, if it falls down the waterfall, if it turns into a ravine, it falls into a drain, then that is it. That's, that's it. Because to resist the flow, you can't. You're a drop in the ocean. You can't resist the flow of the river. And to resist it is suffering. So then my understanding or rather what I'm trying to understand now or rather what I'm trying to accept now is that this is all part of the process. This is just a river flowing. And whatever comes, know that it is impermanent and it will leave. And all I can do is just be grateful for that experience. And if it passes as well, I have to be grateful for that experience also. That is, say, the lesson of non-attachment and the lesson of uh, acceptance. Then the second, the second lesson through this, through this experience um, is learning to love. So again, because, oh, that's a big one. Uh, that's huge. Yeah, um, I need to love. So I don't. I I guess I've been very closed. So I don't know how to love. And love isn't a. Uh, love isn't. Love isn't a rare commodity that is so. It's not like gold where you need to save it or you need to hold on to it. Love is in everyone. Everyone's capable of love. To love is to exist. We are all surrounded by love. Love is in abundance. It's not about holding on to it. And it's more about how we use it. So I have it. I, I have love. We all have love. We are capable of love. I love yoga. That's love. I love jujitsu. I love, um, whatever, eating ice cream. That is love. I, I can, if I can love ice cream, I am capable of love, right? It's how we use it. It's how we funnel that love. And if we don't use it, okay, so we have to learn to use it. And the only way to use it is to give it away. If we, there's no way of holding on to love because there's no way of holding on to anything because everything is impermanent. And everything that we try and hold on to, we try and grasp, we, when we try and act like God and try and control and manipulate everything around us, we lose that divine energy. But when we give it away, that divine energy comes back to us. Everything around us, the buildings, the skyscrapers, the pyramids, all these things that we have built, that humans have built, the iPhone 12, the iPhone 13, all these things are just things that we are trying to advance to prove how immortal we can be, but we cannot. That's why we create so much. We create the big buildings. We create all these wondrous structures. But all these, at the end of the day, will crumble. All this, it's all falling apart. 
the moment that the moment that we are born we are already in a state of decay we are already constantly dying so there is impermanence and that impermanence is a gift because it reminds us that there is nothing to hold on to because if you keep holding on to it you're going to die and it just it just it's gone so there's no reason to hold on to it so if you can't hold on to it you got to let it go you got to give it away and if you give it away like all things if you give it away it comes back to you so say love when you hold if you the only way to use love is to give it away to give yourself away to give to let love happen and it's a concept that i've only recently understood Ugh. so if you don't use it then it it decays in your body as well and it becomes uh destructive then you you self destruct because you have an inf- you have too much of it or you don't use it and it just and it dies within you and then you, you just self destruct so then to save to so then to save yourself is to to love others to use it and 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 and, and it's a recent it's a, so it's a new concept that I'm learning and I'm trying to understand and I'm trying to try my best to love everything to love myself to love others and 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 at night when i sit and I, when i burn my palo santo and i wave it around my room <laughs> and, I, and i i get ready for my meditation and i sit on my pillow and i cross my legs and then i pray i pray that i'm free from the desire of wanting the things that are not meant for me i pray that i am on the right path i pray that the river will take me where i need to go and i remind myself again that i have no control that i am not special that i'm just me i'm just a drop we're all just drops we're not we're not important we're just drops in this ocean and we're all connected and we're just flowing we're all flowing in the same direction wherever that takes us different paths but still we're all in the same river I pray that you know uh, I'll, I'll, if we're meant to meet we're meant to meet and I and I and I and I remind myself not to resist anymore not to not to try and control not to be fearful of whatever that happens and and I and I love therefore I am I love therefore I want to continue to be I love therefore I am loved or at the very least I live in the awareness of the absence of love and i hope for it and therefore my being matters and i love with an open hand i love with an open hand i love without grasp- grasping i love without clasping anything i don't expect anything and in the process of loving we set others free and in that process also we set ourselves free So then to be free is to love.
So, so that is my understanding of it now. And because of that new shift of perspective, then things, uh, you know, like like with all changes of perspective, there is a new look. There is a new lease on life. There is a new things change, all right? Things have to change. Things have to improve. Otherwise, you're still stuck. With everybody's growing around you, everybody's improving in their own way because they don't resist the natural. F- they don't resist their growth. But all this while, I've been resisting this growth. You know, I've been refusing. To, to invite this energy into my life and and so then I think only recently then I started to realize that like oh shit I've been denying myself such a powerful energy and I and I feel tired because all this while I've been protecting myself and I'm draining my energy in self-defense is what they say like with Great love brings up great fear, so we 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 don't love because we're we don't want to be in a state of fear. Paradoxically, but the thing is, like as much as I feel this pain now, it's also liberating because to 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 love is to risk. Love is suffering, you know. Everything is suffering. And to and love and hate are two same things, same things of the of the what do you call it? Same sides of a different spectrum. different sides of the same coin or something. Yeah. So if you can hate someone with so much vigor, you can equally just as much love someone. That's why I see sometimes when people fall in love and they get divorced, they hate each other. I was like, oh how how did you become from such a loving couple to like you hate each other's gut so much? So it's the same thing and. To open yourself up to love is to also open yourself up to everything else, the pain, the sadness that comes with it. And all these things, again, if you look at it from a third-person perspective, it's just, it's just all life. Everything that we're experiencing, all these emotions, it's all part of the... It's all part of life. So then I'm ex- what I'm experiencing is life, and I feel alive because of that pain. And I'm growing from it. And had I respect myself from feeling all this thing then I would have been still stuck with where I was before uh, so again it, it's that false sense of security where like oh I'm aware of all this pain that comes from love so then why am I going to put myself through all that I'm just not going to, to involve myself in it so I don't feel anything which invites more suffering but then I yeah but then I don't feel anything I don't feel anything at all and I don't experience what life is meant to be experienced or how it's meant to be experienced because all this is part of life the sadness is comes with the happiness you experience the happiness part of life you experience the sadness part of life good days bad days negative thoughts positive thoughts all just thoughts all just part of it so then i understand and i let myself feel what i need to feel and i accept everything and i know that i can do nothing about it and i just embrace that's why um in our culture, everyone's striving for happiness, mm. positivity. But I think it's also really important for us to acknowledge emotions of sadness, anger, as an essential part of who we are. Every emotion is, I mean, emotions are human. To feel is to be human. 
And we always try and resist the negative emotions, but then if we let it sit, if we just let it pass us, things can things come out of it. So that's why the past few past few weeks, especially with my my fucked up knee, mm-hmm. it's healing. And just as much as it's healing, and I see the progression of it. One, you know, every day I get better, I get stronger, I get more flexible. But in some days I don't. I get more stiff and I get achy. But it's all part of the process, just like mental, emotional healing. Also, where like there are days, um, oh, I you know I meet my friends and I feel happy and all right. I think I'm on. I'm getting better. I feel better. And then I one day I just wake up. Oh man, I I, I think about it and like oh shit, I feel sad. And it's just a cycle. It's up and down, and you just have to accept it. And 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 the thing about this thing also, it's also it's really like death. Where like I'll never see that. I. Maybe it's not as bad as death, but I I'll never get to say what I want to say. I'll never get to see her. I'll never get to, and even if I do see her again, it won't be the same as how we were last time. It will be different. Maybe there'll be resentment or animosity, or maybe she she would have moved on or whatever. And so that it won't be the same. At that moment back then, we were something, and then now it's different. And you can't chase that. You can't. You can't. You can't live in the past anymore. And I've always been living in the past. And I've always been worrying about the future, and there's no way to live. So then it's all about being here. It's about being present. And again, you know, every night when I burn my palms down, I just wave it around my room and I sit on my meditation pillow and I pray and I and I and I contemplate and I again I just try to to just accept and to don't chase and to move forward to always be moving forward. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of lessons. I feel ah, oh, so interesting. You're kind of COVID. going through like this humongous shift, shift. in your genetic code. You're yes. upgrading your system. I feel like the change is biological. If, if if anything, I feel like I am just more open because if you invite love into your life, then you are just so much more open to feeling everything. You're not scared anymore. Love comes with all the the sadness, and it's like being vulnerable, right? If I choose to be vulnerable, someone else can choose to take advantage of that vul- of 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 it, and then I'll feel sad. And then if I feel sad or betrayed, I'll be like, "Well, I'm not gonna let that happen again, and I protect myself again." And I, but like I said, the security is not; it's false sense of security. There is never a true sense of security. So then, the more you isolate, the more you feel afraid, and the more you, you know, you spiral again. So then. Imagine someone who gets hurt all the time and still decides to show up. That's strength. That is um, power, right? To be vulnerable is to be powerful. Uh, it's really easy to say it. Yeah, it's, but it's it, it's hard to. Oh. It's much harder to embody it. Yeah, but that's where the work is. It's where the practice is. Especially now, it's since it's so raw and it's so fresh and it's so trying. But every day, I do feel better. Every day, I still, you know, uh, I go through my own phase, but I feel better, or rather, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe I don't feel better. It's more of like I feel more equipped to handle it. And the pain is always gonna be there, just like a death. Like if someone you close to you passes away, you're not gonna one day be like, oh, I'm fine. You still feel the residualness of that pain, but it's just more manageable. You think back on it, oh man, I miss that person. Oh well, you know, life goes on. 
at the beginning stage is always like oh oh you know oh, I'm boohoo and what was me and like how why could this happen and you question and you resist you're always like oh it's too soon why did this person die or whatever but like I said we're all gonna die everything around us is impermanent everything is gonna fall apart nothing to hold on to give it away hmm so that's my story if we contemplate contemplate death on a daily basis we yeah. truly live yeah to remind ourselves that we're all gonna die in momento mori yeah thank you for sharing thank you for holding space Ugh. it's big stuff that you're going through saving it for the best podcast episode but it's what we what everyone else is experiencing yeah, as well it's not just you it's, I wonder it's, what people are. I mean like breakups everybody can relate to breakups I don't even know I, 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 I can relate to weird. this oh my gosh like, I feel I'm, weird calling it a breakup episode well it's not even that it's, it's something more than that but I remember like you know <laughs> remember you know Blair and I went through something similar in the sense like we didn't break up but it was at the very beginning of our relationship and there was a point where I was still I still had stuff I had to deal with with my ex-partner and I it wasn't resolved and and so you know Blair said to me look like let's just take some time apart to to work on all this stuff and then we'll come back together again or or not but then I felt like it was it was when he said that it was and then he left he went back to Sydney so I remember clearly that that weekend. Oh my gosh! I I it was like it was like I was dead. I could not wake up in the morning, and I would wake up happy, and then I would think about the fact that he wasn't he wasn't in my life, and I would just go into this deepest of depression, and I wasn't in contact with him because I was supposed to work myself out, and I was in bed all weekend. I tried my best to get myself out of bed. And when I did, I was a zombie. I was walking around completely clueless as to what I had to do next. And I was so sad. I felt like I had died. And I completely understand like when you talk about death in this process of, of this journey of, of, uh, of, you know, in the context of relationships. It was, it was the saddest. When I go back there, and I sometimes I remind, I playfully remind Blair of that moment between the both of us, and he, he's like, "Oh, you're still holding on to that," you know. <laughs> and but he remembers it. He remembers that feeling himself, how he felt lost, and how we were just, we, we it was it was yeah it was so hard. And then finally, and then I had at that time I had Instagram, so I was. I would I would scroll Instagram because I was like I need to find out what he's doing because that I, I would feel connected to him somehow and and then there was one of them and he was out with his friend on a on a boat in Sydney and I was like he's having fun <laughs> without me <laughs> and I was like then I got angry right. I was angry the whole day and I felt these um, really vo- volatile emotions come up within me and then Finally, about day three of not contacting each other, um, a text message came and he was like, can we talk? And I was like, I made sure that I took 10 minutes to answer because I didn't want to sound too eager. And then I answered 10 minutes later like, 
uh, what do you want? <laughs> like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and it was, it was. Uh, but then we ended up talking, and and then we talked the whole night, and here we are, two children later, and it's, um, three. and it's three plus Monroe, <laughs> and um, it's yeah, it is a process. It's a journey, you know, and it's it. The stuff that comes up is um, so powerful that you you have no choice but to look at it. Yeah, and then the insecurity that this great love brings to you. Sadhguru says, falling in love. When you look at the words falling in love, you don't climb into love. You, You have to fall. You have to surrender. You have to just jump off the cliff and just hope that you can soar. Or just, or you may just you dive down to your yeah, <laughs> to your man. deepest depth. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like in that weekend, the three days, I had just I jumped off the the cliff and I just fell into the hole mm. down below, and um, it was, yeah, it was a curious journey to be on, mm. but very humbling. Yeah. See, like, so, I guess whatever I'm going through now. Because it's at this peak of it, but I I know that once it passes, there will be clarity and there will be a new perspective. Like good, something good will come out of this. Just like how when you in that three days at the maybe the second day or the first day you felt like oh this is this is it this is the end, but then by the third day or as time goes on, things progress. Like this, the natural flow of life again starts to move, and then things are fine. So even though now things feel horrible or things are like, oh, I'm never going to pull through this, just give it time. It, you, you'll feel better and then like things go back to normal and then you move on. And then you re- re- you remember this formally as a time that you you learned the lesson. So then at the start, it's always just you, you resist. Like, what do you mean he's on a boat? How can he be happy? I'm here, you know, going through this and, you know, but then you just let it be. You just let time take its course, and then and then it comes back to you because it's meant to be. So then I'm I'm just trying to accept what's happening and just and let let things take its natural flow. I'm not I'm I'm not trying to resist anymore. And I think before I met this the previous one, I told myself so. It was doing. It, I was for almost shifting already, but then fear overcame me once again. So doing that before I met her again. There was someone that I met before, so and but it didn't work out before her. But she was also one someone that was I was very close to settling with. But then I just pulled back and and then I pulled back and she pulled back and then it didn't work out. So then I told myself after her, I was not gonna resist anything else that happens. If it happens, I will let it I will let it take its course. And then and then a couple of months or a couple of weeks later I met the the recent one. And then things were great, and then things were fine. And she really, she was a mirror to me, and she reflected all the things back to me. And it was very powerful, and it was very profound. And then I, but then, you know, uh, I, the closer she got to me, the more I got scared, and then the more I resisted. And then I, and to the point where it's a physical kind of resistance. Like I, when she come, came to hug me, I would, I would move away, you know, I was, mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay, because. Let's say she jumped. She she tried to hug me, like surprise me. I was like, "Ooh, what, what, what is this?" And she and she could sense it. And she she and it's not a very nice thing for someone to feel. And then, and then like 
there are times when like, I would have nightmares about it. Like, I would physically, like, I would really have actual nightmares about about commitment. So it's not a, 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 a. It's real. It's very real. It's a real fear that manifests, and I, and and when it reaches a certain point, I just succumb to it, and then and then and then we parted again, and. And of course, like when when the dust settles, I think back on it. Why did I? Why did I let this happen? Why did I? Why did I? Why wasn't I brave enough? I was so close, you know. But then, it's because of her departure that now I'm so. I'm so sure of what I don't want to repeat anymore. So then, at that point, I couldn't have changed anything because I did what I I. There was I couldn't have. Overcome my fear back then. If anything, I would have resolved to where I was, and and there is a sadness to that resolve. Like, oh, I mean, okay, law. If you want to be together, oh, okay, law. Then it yeah. it wouldn't be authentic. But because she left, and and the pain came, and then the lesson was learned. Oh, it's it's being unraveled to me now. Then in the future. Should our paths cross again? Should we meet again, whether in this life or the next? Or if I meet someone else, then it will be true because then I'll be like, I'll be open to receive. So then, whatever that happened was meant to happen. So then, how can I look back on that negative, like, and be upset about it? Because it helped me. Just like the, just like even my knee, so. Uh, you know, I caught it. I got caught in a bad spot. Pop, there goes like yeah. a whole year of rehab, and like I'm out from work for like a, a month, and I have to go physio and blah blah. And I can look back on that as something bad that happened to me. Oh, what did this happen to me? Life sucks. But then when it happened, I was very excited to find out what this lesson is gonna be. What is gonna teach me? And it had taught me a, a lot of things. It taught me to sit. Myself and and it forced it almost physically forced me to sit and to because I couldn't move I couldn't run away so then whatever issues I had at home I had to sit with it I had and I dealt with it and I and whatever emotions stirred it, it happened and then after it happened I realized that ah oh, okay it's not so bad I can deal with it I can I feel stronger and then also when this happened then. It's now a physical and an emotional healing at the same time, and the physical healing reminds me of the progress of how the emotional healing is working. There are days when I'm tired, there are days when I'm fit. You know, the same thing emotionally. And this is my, like, like, uh, like you know, my knee. The, what happened to me is my karma, and I accept my karma. Karma is action. So then. M- this is my my life is my karma. My life is still my action, and I still have power over it. And I still have the ability to choose how I decide to respond to all these things. And I've chosen to respond in the best way I can, or just to accept, to embrace, and to not resist. Why did this happen to me? Ugh. This happened to me because, uh, or rather, this didn't this doesn't happen. This didn't happen to me because, but this happened to. For me, because so then I find I'm always trying to find the answer. What is this trying to teach me? What is the lesson from this thing? So then, with the recent 
breakup I'm just thinking like what can this teach me and I'm slowly uncovering that I'm slowly coming to terms with it I'm embracing it and I just don't resist it I can't resist it to resist is to you know is to go is to suffer why am I going to put myself through that the beautiful thing of this whole thing is that you're taking responsibility for yourself you're not in the, a place yeah, of blaming, blaming yeah, shaming blaming, somebody uh, else yeah. if anything I, I, I send my love to her because she's taught me such a great lesson I, I send my love to all the previous ones that I've met who, who, whose only fault was for them to love me back best episode ever I love it do you have anything else you want to share is there anything else you want to know mm. about hmm let's see what are, I mean like what are your experiences with love we talked about this before on the previous podcast as well but I feel like you have some experience with that and how you've you've you you have different spectrums of love you have the okay say, say from for me my spectrum of love is very limited to say maybe uh, a yes or a no it's very binary to me or it's maybe just uh, friendship romance but for someone like you who's a mother who's a wife who's who's a caretaker you have a huge spectrum of love and that love can be in in the sense of romantic friendship motherly love a love to a stranger a love for yoga a love like different variations of it mm-hmm. I think teach me, me something yeah. yeah well I mean I can just share from my own personal experience um, but with loving men so it's it has been a, a roller coaster actually for me I was married once first relationship and it was um, it was a relationship that taught me a lot about myself it was he was a, an Australian boy married very young and essentially I gave my power away to him so I right. again I it was the same storyline and he took it and ran away with it and I ended up feeling very disempowered and very lost and very lonely in that mm. in that relationship and when we decided to when I made a decision to separate the nastiness came out and from you or from him from from him (laughs) and um, it was it was interesting to watch that unravel but again it's like your story like I'm very grateful for the experience and then my second marriage it was a lot, it was very chaotic. It was like, there was um, addiction involved, Whoa. alcoholism involved, suicide. Um, <laughs> On his part or your part? His part. So, Damn. because he, um, he was going through uh, alcoholism, right. a, a, an addiction to alcohol which is actually very common. We can all be addicted to something, a feeling. Mm. We can be addicted to coffee. We can be addicted to yoga. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the addiction mm. is. It's just an addiction. And it was 
it was very messy. It was a very messy relationship. And I found myself in a relationship grasping to hold it together and doing everything I can and serving. And I thought to love somebody is just to keep them together, to serve them, to help them, to give myself away mm. again. But this time it's in another regard. It's uh, it's a different giving of myself of, of away than the first marriage. And so it was, you know, it was very hard. And it, and when I made that decision to move away from that relationship, it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make because we already had a child, mm. Monroe. Monroe's biological father and it was hard because I had to decide to break the family apart but right. doing that was the best thing I could have done for myself and for Monroe and we had to go through two or three years of healing mm. of of working through that trauma of the experiences of seeing uh, uh, his dad and my partner so drunk on alcohol that we didn't know if he was going to live through the night experiences of watching him take a rope and oh. and try to um, commit suicide the experiences of looking out the window and watching someone jump into the water and thinking to myself oh oh wait a minute that's 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 my partner he's what he's going to drown himself now and the fear that comes up Right. The experiences of seeing blood all over the floor after someone's passed out and just passed out face first into the marble floor, these are really traumatic experiences. And I thought to love somebody, to love my child, is to keep it all together and to be to be this like uh, self-functioning person, you know. And and I realized actually to love my child, to love myself, and to love my ex-partner is to say that's it. Yeah. We're, we have to, we have to break this. We have to cut, we have to cut the cycle right. of abuse. And when we did that, it was the best thing that happened for everybody, right, right. for, for Rob, for Monroe and for myself. And then through that healing, um, I could see that I could see a different way of love, a different approach to love which is empowering yeah. supportive through my relationship with Blair sometimes people think that like the breakup is the bad a bad thing oh you know a divorce is bad oh but to not take action when you're suffering is also equally as bad and even though say something as like divorce if you when you leave that environment you're able to then grow you're able to be in a better space to then take nurture your own child that he feels better because he has the love from you say the husband or the, the other party who is who, who who has safety in the relationship realizes now that wait a minute now no one's going to watch out for me when I'm fucked up I need to watch out for myself exactly. and I need to grow now because I have no one left everyone so then can you're grow forced because because of the divorce, the parting forces you to then take action. Otherwise, you will go down. Because so in that it's space, not a negative thing, yeah. Well, in that space, I was it was a codependent relationship, right? And codependency is so unhealthy. He because no one is taking responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the minute I said, 
if you choose to do this in the future and have another、um, Mickey of, of of vodka or whatever, that's your choice. But if something happens to you along the way, then that's your that's the consequence from your choice. And、I'm, I was no longer in saving mode, and he was no longer in victim mode. And so、oh. I got myself out of. I had to really put a lot of consciousness to that dynamic between myself and Rob.、Mm. That fine line of what love is. We can mistake that for love, but it's not. And yeah, so that was a, a huge lesson for me. Interesting. How?、Uh, okay. He's he's now very well. Just so you everyone knows, he's、um, in Bali and he's going. He's part of the Alcoholic Anonymous AA program, and now he is、um, the mentor for other people who are、nice. going through the same journey. So, you know, he stepped into that amazing, empowering role for others now. Yeah. So it's everything worked out wonderfully. But I could have made the choice to have been there until now, until today. Right. And that would have been that. That would have been my choice to be there. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's, it's. We can't take like we have choices. We have free like we have free will、mm. in this lifetime. We can't just sit back and allow life to happen to us. We have a blueprint. Like our soul has chosen the blueprint of、mm. what we're gonna do and kind of the the outline of what this life is gonna look like. But we have choices as well. And we have to take those steps towards empowerment.、Mm. Yeah, and I guess that was something that you seeked out because you kept giving your power away to these people, and then it came to a point where like you needed to stand up for yourself and you needed to take action, and through that action, you found your freedom. Yeah, I mean, I was equally like. In this particular situation, you would call me a cope addict because I was addicted to the chaos. I was addicted to the the excitement、mm. of something like this happening unconsciously or subconsciously or even consciously.、Right. Yeah. And so when I brought awareness to the fact that I was a cope addict, and this is not just so. This is me saying I take responsibility for my choices for being in this relationship.、Mm. And when I Brought awareness to that, I could finally say, "Okay, this is, I, I, I am." I could dispel the energy of it, and then I could move away from it.、Mm. And now I am. I can't. When I look back, I'm like, "How can I have been? How how could I? How could I have been there? I don't understand." Because my cells now choose peace, right? A loving, peaceful relationship, and it doesn't understand that that that. Chaotic hundrum of a relationship. That part of you is gone now, you know. It's like again, like a, a genetic upgrade to the、mm, system. Uh, But yeah, you、I、have、like、to, again, it's moving through the darkness because there were very dark days, and、mm. I, I sat with it and it was I moved through it, and、um, thankfully, I had a lot of support around me as well, which is very important.、Mm. But the but again, no one else is going to help you, but you. Yeah. So you can talk to a million people, and they're all going to say the same thing, like "Oh, of course," and blah blah blah, give you nice words. But ultimately, the work 
that has to be done is done by you. And that was because everyone in this world wants to be saved by somebody. Yeah. And then we, we go into that victim mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I've been I've definitely been down that road. They call it the hero's journey, right? Joseph Campbell. Yeah. To lose yourself is to find yourself. So you, all the more you need to embrace all the chaos of the world and to go through what you need to go through to come out of it and yeah. become stronger. And then the other thing as well with love is I was just having a chat with Sheena about it downstairs, so it's perfect because she was sharing with me about some recent news from her family and um, her grandmother had passed on mm. and a beautiful death, which is wonderful and uh, I love hearing it. And she, we're talking about unconditional love and I said to her, like, you know, it's really, it's really, um, someone said to me once that, uh, like, now I have three children. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm my, my train of thought, I'm trying to collate it here, but there's this urge in me to want to create another being, like another baby. Whoa. Number four. Well, no, I'm just saying it's an urge. It's not okay, like I have okay. to go and do it. Number four, five, six, seven, whatever. Right. But... What, where is this urge coming from? And it's, it's, it's this feeling of a, when you see a baby, they are unconditional love. And so it's this one, it's this need within the self to connect with this energy of unconditional love. And so women love to have babies because the first couple years of experiencing that unconditional love with a baby, is so pure and they feel they feel so one with themselves but we can't keep procreating forever like i mean you know there's it's not just not it's not practical yeah. you know so how can i find this feeling of unconditional love that i experience through my children mm. in myself is the question and i was you know i think we were sharing that because Sheena was, exper- was sharing that she experienced unconditional love for her grandmother and now she feels a hole within her. Mm. And, I, and I completely empathize with that. And it's, we just you know, sort of contemplate on that question of this hole that we have, that we all have, of wanting an external thing to love, to, mm. for us to love or to be loved. But to actually feel it within, it's, um, it's the work. Uh, to love is to give and like I said the only way to, to to use it is to give it away and the more we give it away the more we receive it and I guess because she didn't have someone to give it away to anymore that's why she couldn't receive it back and that that that's why there's a bit of an emptiness which I guess is understandable comes with any loss but but then, there are many ways to, to love. And I had, I had a question about, you just said something and I wanted to chime in, but I forgot what it was now. Something about, uh, what was it? Or something about, something about a way to love or something about, uh, oh well, maybe I'll come back. I lost my train of thought. Vata, 
Are you a Vata as well? Yeah. I'm a sensitive Vata boy. I feel like I've been crying a lot on this party recently. It's because I've just allowed myself to feel, you know? And it's so beautiful. And, 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 and doing something like this, it's always very intimate, right? You're talking to someone, you're sharing, and then things open up, and you, and you, and, and the illusion of the podcast is that no one is listening, no one is watching. It's just you and me in this room. But then, when it's out there, everybody, you don't know who is listening to it. And then I was like, oh no, I walk down, I, I go to class, I teach, and then someone tells me, oh, I listen to your podcast with me. I was like, oh no, that means you heard all that. And I don't even know you, I don't know anything about you, and it's just a stranger, and they know everything about you, and then that's, and it's vulnerable because, you know, maybe they listen to the, all the previous episodes and they know about me, or, or they know at least something about me, and I, and I, 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 I just be like, oh, thanks for listening, and I don't know what to say because, because, because you know, it's just a, it's just weird, I, I'm not weird in a bad way. It's just like, I mean, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. You've heard my whole life story, and I, and, and, and I don't know what to respond to that. It's the fear of judgment. You know, we yeah. were coming into this podcast, and we were. We were like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling a bit nervous. Yeah. And then you were saying the same thing. I'm feeling a bit nervous too. And I was sitting with it all weekend. I was mm. going, oh, wow, what, what's coming up for me? Are you making me nervous? Are you transmitting <laughs> your nervousness onto me? Or am I making you nervous? Who's making who nervous is the million dollar question, yeah. right? And then I'm like, you know, it's actually good to feel nervous. It's, it's like, why are we... Why do we have to compartmentalize that emotion as well? Yeah. It's like, it's good to let it come up and be like, okay... This is an important emotion to feel or an important feeling to, to feel. And what I took from it is that we care. Like I care about, I want, oh, I want yeah. to put, I want to, pres there's a part of me that wants to present my best self forward. Right, but right. isn't that for everybody as well? You want to present your best self forward and right. you want people to experience that of you. So there's that part. And there's also the part of, yeah, you, you, you are it's it's there is this part of where you the judgment you think oh my gosh like everyone What's people gonna think are exactly gonna, yeah and then i'm like but if i imagine and this is um i recently heard someone say this imagine that everyone listening in uh are your mother they're under they're under simply uncondition unconditional love and they are here to supporting you they love you and then you just go out there and you share and it's like that really helped me shift my psyche it was like okay then then you can step into your best self yeah and then you can through your own sharing heal others as well that, like like that's why I felt disappointed the first time when I postponed my party with York it was because I wasn't in a good space and I wanted to be able to be in that good space to hold space for her but then again that's me trying to like uh, be my best self in front of the mic then then people will like me because of it because I'm like yeah I'm fun I'm like I'm like in, in I'm at that like my I'm happy right so I'm like yeah I'm able to like be charming and everything but then I created this thing was to be able to be authentic and if I'm not in a good space then so be it at that day then and if I want to share it at that point then I'll share it and and there's no there's no facade there's no like you know it's not on TV where everything's makeup and like everything is like yeah hey whoa what's up uh, uh, uh. 
it's not curated. It is here, we turn it on. I don't feel so good. Let's talk about it. All right, let's go back to the topic that we're going to talk about. That's why I felt like I should have just done it at that time. And I'm sure y'all could have hold space for me or so. So, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to, I have now, I've invited this new energy into my life now, right? Love. And I have an abundance of it now. Or rather, I think I, I have more energy now. I'm able to give more and, and I want to keep being like this podcast is an outlet or so. It's therapy. We talk, you know, we, we, I get it off my chest and, and I share and I learn and I receive or so. And then that, helps me and then whatever at that thought at this moment that we share whatever is authentic and it resonates to someone whoever that's listening while you're while you're running while you're in your car while you're walking on your MRT you're listening to this right now and you resonate with it whatever that we say and it just you know you you know that you're not alone whatever you're dealing with that we're all part of the river we're all drops in the ocean we're all flowing together Om Shanti Shanti, right? Yeah. So then I, I shouldn't have, uh, you know, n- not done it. And and that's a lesson or so. Yeah. And I was telling you also that that, that, the pre- that was on podcast that I did that I felt so fucking unauthentic. I sold out. Ah, never mind. If you don't. Do you want to share that or? I can share a bit about it. It was just like a big brand. We don't, we don't leave any names or whatever. So a brand, a fitness brand came to me and asked me to do an episode because they were launching a new product and they wanted me to speak to someone that I've, who's actually been on this podcast before, but again, I won't say who. And that podcast that I did was one of the most boring ones because that person didn't open up to me and it felt very curated. It felt very PR. And after I did it, I was just like, oh, I don't enjoy this. I don't think I want to do this. I don't want to talk to people that I that are just like influencers. I just want to talk to someone if I actually want to talk to someone. So then I did, anyway, like, I figured like, oh, okay, a big brand. Um, I'll just do it all just, just to build some rapport with them. And they didn't pay me. It was just they gave me some shitty clothes that I'm fucking selling on carousel if you want to buy anybody. <laughs> so I did it and it was just, it was just dumb. It was just, they would just talk. I don't mean to be rude. I'm sure she's a nice person, but it's just that I felt it was just bullshit and you're just, you're not, you're not talking to me. And I was trying to ask questions, like genuine questions. And I want, I came in with an open mind trying to learn what you had to share that day. And it was just product placements and like talking about how great their, great their app was or how great their clothing line is. And I was just like, this is so fucking dumb. Like, why am I listening to this nonsense? This advertisement, this one hour long advertisement. You sold your soul. I sold. I did even. I sold it for like a fucking uh, couple of t-shirts. Couple of t-shirts. Yeah, not worth at all. My time and all that. And then at the end of it, I was just like, "This is dumb." So I did it. I did. I recorded the episode before my surgery, and then I went to my surgery, and then so I was. I, I edited it during the 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 while I was on MC. And, and like when we recorded it, there was like the two, um, the two PR agents sitting nearby. And then and it was just like they were curating, they would text. I think they would text her to like, okay, mention this at this point, talk about our product, blah, blah, blah. And then she would look, she's always looking at her phone and she would say, so it's all this stuff that you can't see as the listener when you're listening to it. You can't, you can't see whatever you're reading of a script or whatever. 
So now I'm looking at her and she's reading off her phone. I was like, this is so dumb. This is not what I signed up for. And I was just like, I, and when it, when it was done, I told the person, I said, I don't think I want to post it. I think it's the quality. I just give the excuse of the quality isn't good. And then they were like, uh, I mean, can we just like publish it? And I told them I'll, I'll publish it, but I'll put it out for a month and then I'll remove it. So I popped it out. I didn't post it on social media. Maybe half of the people listening don't even know that it was out there. And then a month later, I removed it. And and I was just like, I'm never going to do this kind of nonsense again. This is my platform. I'm just doing this for fun. I am not trying to earn any money from it. So why am I wasting time to do things that I don't want to do? So if I were to talk to you, if I want to have you on my podcast, it's because I genuinely want to know about you. I want to find out there's something I want to find out or I just enjoy talking to you and just we press record and then we'll just see what happens and I love it and it's two hours long and we talk about whatever and it's also like we didn't talk about anything like that it's not like say say like some certain people I, there's some things I want to talk about Amber there's something I want to talk about with mm-hmm. her it's about birth I talk to John it's about Ashtanga there's specific things that I want to talk to people about then then for you know for sure I will do my research and I will ask the questions and I'll be prepared but then if it's like Edmund or Lee or you, I just like, all right, what's up? How's it going? You got anything going on? What's 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 happening with life? And we flow. Mm-hmm. And that is as authentic as, as it can be. And this isn't like a, like I said, this isn't a TED talk. This isn't about, let's share what you know. This is just, just you and me and we're just talking. There's no one here. And we're open and we're present. And whether this becomes viral great if it doesn't oh I had fun you know yeah. I had fun we enjoyed it we get to learn a little bit more about each other and that's, that's enough for anyone right yeah always trust the flow yeah that's you know that's how I work as well yeah <laughs> and if and if I if I can say the way you've run things here the way you are as a person reflects how home is home 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 yoga as a studio and I've, you know, I, I talked to Sheena, I talked to Edmund, you know, I talked to whoever, we're all friends, right? We're all the teachers. And I talked to my other yoga teacher friends and I, I'm always just very grateful to be here. I, I, I'm always very grateful that I'm part of the home family and that I'm teaching here and I'm in this space where uh, there's, a, there's a vacuum where we're doing some aircon maintenance, so don't mind the noise. So I'm always very grateful to be here and I'm always very grateful that you are you are always you 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 give us this you create this space and you let us just be you let us just teach whatever we want to teach you let us express what we want to express and there is no restriction and 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 of all things to to allow us to be in the in in yoga of course let yogis be yogis but then when I talk to my other yoga teacher friends at other places, then there's, you find out like, there's a bit of restriction. You have to teach a certain way. You have to do a certain thing. You can't do this. You can't do that. Or in this class type, you have to be a certain way. And especially with COVID, there's so many restrictions. Do, yeah. do this, do that. Uh, make sure that you blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, this, 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 this is so weird. Like, especially as, as like, in this line when you're sharing as a teacher, but then you only can share within this 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 um this circle this prison or no, not prison uh, this 
this this bubble bubble yes whatever, a bubble yeah. right you can only you can you can do whatever you want but only within from this point to this point this boundary then then it's like that's still restrictive that's still you know so I was I, just sharing yesterday with a friend of mine and and actually she also teaches here but we were talking about I was saying there's a difference between ethics morality and integrity mm. I think oftentimes we get caught up with with what with ethics we say this is the ethical thing to do but right. ethics entraps us it 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 surrounds us with judgment we we end up becoming trapped within that certain paradigm of what the ethical thing is mm. but if we if we approach something with integrity we we come with it with intention and an honesty to ourselves and with that comes empowerment so that's the difference and i think that is really important because then with integrity comes growth and expansiveness with ethics comes judgment entrapment boxed in and obviously can, you can't grow with that so I think that it's really important to understand the difference between these two words and to just to look at it within ourselves and I think that's like for us you know in home like going back to that I think it's really important that teachers are empowered to grow and to expand because if the teachers are empowered then the students will be empowered too if you have disempowered teachers who aren't given the space to expand and grow within their capability like how like what you're going through now it's it's off the mat but it's it's the yoga practice then how can your students grow with you it's it's impossible so there's something very very visceral in the whole process and also the spoken word the spoken word has a certain vibration so as much as I, I love the online space and how the impact that we can make in on a global sense, in a global sense, the in-person, the spoken nature requires a certain. There is a certain energetic transmission between the, the 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 person who's saying it and the person who's receiving it. I agree, hundred percent. There's a difference between doing an interview face to face and doing a Skype interview. I ain't never gonna do that because it's different. There's no, there is an exchange of energy that comes. There's, there's a. I can see your body language. I can see your expression. You're here. I can witness this. If I do it online or if it's if there's a, a medium to it, then there's a disconnect or so. Exactly, and also like you know when you're in class and now you're going through this humongous shift. Like people on, sense it on some intrinsic level. They sense it, and yeah. they and but your lessons that you've learned that you've just shared so intimately with all of us are being transmitted in the classroom, and that's the growth that your students are having. Even though they know they don't know what that is, they are changing together with you as well, and I think that's really important. So you know that's um, that's something also that you mentioned at this, uh, the something that we mentioned earlier about how you said you let teachers be and just like how you let Navy be, you let you know, uh, you let him just be, you know, downstairs sitting down, you let, you let him just explore, and it's like that that same motherly instinct that you let us, your your yoga children, quote unquote, 
just be and just let us grow in our own way and you hold space for us and we are able to express in our authentic way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. I like it. I like this. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like, you know, there is no feedback. Like, mm. you know, you and I have given each other feedback or, you know, I've I've received feedback myself for my teaching and you've received feedback for your teaching and so on and so forth. So, but the feedback comes from, it comes with an, a certain intention of love and integrity to telling the, my own truth. I can share with you, I'm not going to say to you, Aaron, um, you need to be doing this because that's, again, disempowering because you're imposing, I'm you're imposing yeah. what I think you should do in the class, but instead I could approach it in a different way, again, language. Um, so I felt, in class when in this section of the of the class i just felt like i couldn't quite hear you i wanted to hear what you had to say but i couldn't quite hear you so yeah so maybe something to think about and that gives you a chance to think about it and reflect on my on me because it's i'm sharing with you my experience it's not something that i think you should do and then that gives you a chance to grow so it's not like we're here and we're all just letting each other do whatever we want to do there is that growth but it's a, a very beautiful organic growth yeah, that organic, it's not imposed yeah. that it's that is self that is self that is that comes from within it's a natural a natural organic growth mm. for the teacher and as and also for the being right? right right and then through that i get the tremendous opportunity to learn and grow with all of you as well so that's that's my right. you know i i get the feedback back you know, so it's uh, it's quite a beautiful symbiotic process. Well, I mean, everything. This place is a representation of who you are as a person, and you, as a mother, and as someone who who respects the process of le- le- like letting things play out naturally, even down to the the. The design or the the sustainable stuff that we have it's all about maintaining that natural order of things letting people be letting people grow and and you just hold space for it so i guess on behalf of everybody here thank you for (laughs) you're very welcome and thank you i think we can wrap it up my batteries was also dying also so i guess it's a sign um, any final words? Any final words to, to close this off and to, I guess, to, 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 to the people who are listening in podcast land, the mostly yogis? Well, thank you very much for listening in and sharing your energy as well with us as you listen in. And yes, please come along and talk to me and Aaron and, you know, love to hear your thoughts and, and, you know get some insights and grow as well together with all of you so thank you for the opportunity uh, thank you for listening thank you for um being here as well and chatting with me and holding my holding space for me okay and with that we end this episode the best episode ever Wow, that was amazing. Oh my god.
Thank you for listening. Um, like I said, I mean, I don't. Uh, what what else am I? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to close off this episode. Um, I've heard. I mean, I've, of course, I've heard the episode while editing it, and I hear it, and I hear myself talking again. It's weird, lah. Like, it's always weird to share. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what the point of all this is sometimes, but. Um, I don't have anything profound to say. I don't have anything. I mean, I'm. St- is, did we we I recorded this a week ago. Today's Monday. Yeah, a week ago. We 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 did this a week ago. Nothing much has changed, but also everything has changed. Like I feel different. I feel better. But then you know this kind of thing doesn't just. You know, you don't get better overnight. But I every day I just feel better because you know you let things go, and you surrender. Like I like I was saying, you know, you just you just trust that you're on the right path. You trust that the the ocean is taking you. It's flowing where you need to go. And I close my eyes and I and I pray. So, um, to anybody who is. Going through whatever they're going through, right? Life, life beats you down. Just know that you're on the right path. You are where you're supposed to be, and just trust, have faith, and put in the work. Like it, an analogy, uh, an analogy that I, I that I was that I just suddenly thought of. Um, you're say you're in a boat and you're sailing, right? If you surrender completely, you're just lying on the boat. You're not doing anything, and the waves will just push you left and right, and you just go to wherever the waves take you, or wherever the winds take you. But you need to still be at the mercy of the waves and the wind and the the universe. Let's call it that. But you also still have to put in the work. You still have to row. You still have to steer the boat somewhere. You know, the waves might. Push you against where you want to go, but then you don't resist. You you know you take a longer route, but you still have to put in the work. You still have to put in your karma. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening again. Um, I enjoy doing this as always. I enjoy learning from people. I enjoy sharing the the stories of them, and I enjoy just having. A connection, having a conversation with people. If you like what you hear, share it with your friends. Repost this on IG. Tag me. <clears throat> I'll repost it as well. Show your support if you enjoy the podcast. Donate to the coffee page. The link is in the description. Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to reach out to me. Reach out to Melvina or anybody on the podcast if you ever listen to them and you want to find out more. Mel has Mel. Mel is very open to people talking to her, so like, don't don't be intimidated. If you see her, if you want to ask her something about the podcast, you want to make fun of Blair and his boat story, feel free to. Um, I guess you can speak to me as well. I've I've always been quite. I've always been quite apprehensive with people coming up to me and telling me that they listen to it, especially when it's like an episode like this where it's like you know. It's very vulnerable, and then, and then a stranger comes up to me and says,、oh, "I've listened to the whole thing." 
I don't know how to react. I'll just nod and I just like thank them for listening. But I also, I honestly don't know what to say. But you know, if you have a question, I'll answer it. Oh man, what else? Um, I think that's it. Okay, uh, have a good day. Have a good life. See you in class. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.